good news, everyone. Talking Futurama is coming back for Talking Futurama Season 2, Part 2. Fresher than a summer ham, this podcast comes every Friday. And if you sign up at the $5 level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons, you can hear each episode as it goes live. That's right. Sign up today at patreon.com slash talking simpsons for $5 to hear Talking Futurama every Friday throughout the rest of 2020 and also all the previous episodes we've done so far. So head over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons now or we're going to clamp you. Shut up and take my money. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where we promise all the sugar cookies and secondhand smoke you can handle. I'm one of your hosts, the disgracefully hilarious Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Hey, it's Henry Gilbert and I'm never throwing out my She-Hulk versus Leon Spinks comics. And who do we have on the line? This is Nick Pruer. I'm driving under the influence of being a jerk. (laughs) And today's episode is Days of Wine and Dozes. I'm a tanked up loser? Is that how you see me? Oh, sounds like a certain loser could use some tanking up. Today's episode aired on April 9th, 2000, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, Nintendo sells its 100 millionth Game Boy slash Game Boy Color Metallica file suit against Napster. And in a big moment for comedy nerds, the More Cowbell sketch airs on Saturday Night Live. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was a big a big weekend for... Uh, a legacy of unfunny people quoting it yes, yeah, over the next yeah. two decades. <laughs> the enti- our entire lives of a good... It was the great sketch that then uh, everyone had to say hey, all the y- time. You know what this podcast needs? Mm. More Cowbell. Yeah. Yeah, when the shirts started showing up at Target, that's when you knew it was over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it completely, like he'd hosted SNL before, but I felt like that made Christopher Walken like the comedy star after that sketch. I, I also heard our friend of the show, Scott Gardner, who's also an amazing like sketch comedy writer. Uh, he worked at Funny or Die with a person who worked on the Cowbell sketch who that guy was like, yeah, everyone works at Funny or Die because they saw this sketch in high school uh. and started writing their own sketches. Like it was that influential of a sketch. And and it is funny. It's yeah, funny yeah it, it's really, really good. I, I think I was there the night it aired. Wow. And I was just like uh, blown away by Christopher Walken having a really hard time reading those cue cards. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There's a sketch that's really similar that happened during the Chris Farley era where it's he's in the recording studio and he's recording the Monday Night Football, like the whole season's worth of Monday Night Football jingles where it's like, are you ready for some football? And he's playing uh, Hank Williams Jr. And he's doing Bengals and the Dolphins coming out tonight. <laughs> Packers and the Vikings coming up, and the the people in the sound booth are making fun of him, and uh, they really hurt his feelings. And then he sings a soft ballad rendition of "Are You Ready for Some Football?" And to me, that's the better sketch. No, I looked that one up. Oh man, yeah. I never saw that one. Yeah, man, I need to look that one up. I, I do. I do feel like Homer though. Like Homer, after listening to the rap and Ronnie Reagan tape, like, oh, he does say well a lot. Whenever I hear uh, "Don't Fear the Reaper," I'm like, oh, there is cowbell in this yeah. song. <laughs> uh, you can't unhear it. You're right. I, I didn't see it live. It was one of those early internet, your friend saying, you got to see this, dude. And it was like in 2000 or maybe early 01, where it's just we all stand around the computer and try to show each other something funny. 
reality, like that early experience. On your real it. player. Yes. <laughs> I, I got to assume more cowbell was put on like style project or something that my friend was taking me to or some other. Consumption uh, Junction, perhaps. Oh, maybe that one. Yeah. <laughs> Ho.tv uh, Fark those, uh... Oh man Yeah, yeah. Fark Fark <laughs> And uh, the Game Boy Like I, I I bought at least Three Game Boys uh, With two Game Boys And one Game Boy Color And that began A whole like Lifetime of me Buying at least Like three of every Nintendo console mm, That was portable At least I think I have cool. Like four or five 3DS's Sorry Yeah I think uh, I just had two Only two 3DS's Aww, Loser <laughs> I, I think I did have Three DS's though Three Or three Space DS's uh, Game Boys, I actually resisted getting the Game Boy SP. I was like, you're not mm. getting me this time. And SP? Then, or, yeah, wasn't that the bright one? Was the oh. SP with the clamshell closing thing? Oh, or? Game Boy Advance. Yeah, yeah sorry, Game I Boy mean Advance. Game Boy okay. Advance. Yeah, yeah. And I still call uh, everything a Game Boy, yeah. except for the Switch. I called the DS a Game Boy and people made fun of me. But it's it is, fun. it's a Game it's, Boy. It's fun to call it a Game Boy. I prefer, I, I mean, and they wouldn't have hit 100 million had it not been for Pokemon, but yeah, a whole decade of Game Boys. And, or the uh, Walkman. They uh, needed the Walkman had to walk before the Game Boy could game. <laughs> oh, and and Metallica suing Napster. What an uncool thing! Like that. Uh, I I wonder if that still like hurts their reputation, or if people are just like, ah, they're just a cool band now. They're not like corporate guys suing a company. Speaking of that uh, early internet video stuff, that reminds me of those web cartoons that were making fun of Metallica, the mm. Napster band. Yeah. Oh, that was like early Jib Jab, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, the... No, it was like literally the cartoon, like actual drawn cartoons. Oh, okay. And All you could right. buy like T-shirts with Napster bat on them and right. stuff. Right. And it was uh, James Hetfield and Lars were the stars of those cartoons. Yeah, that's right. Hetfield's the ones. Yeah, I, I recently watched uh, some kind of monster again, the Metallica documentary, and I I just couldn't, I can't not think of Lars as the anti Napster guy. Right? He's he's likable in the movie, you know. He seems kind of like the voice of reason, but I'm like, but why why were you doing that? I can see it from a certain standpoint if you're you know an egotistical rocker who is like. Hey, they are stealing my music. That's my music and they're stealing it. But I think most other musicians realized it kind of comes off as just like selfish on your part of just you're a rich person demanding more money or I I mean another thing with Napster is that a mistake people make with most piracy is thinking like, well, if they pirated that, that would have been a purchased copy. Like, it, it not really. I mean, you know, hey, look, piracy, not good. Don't do it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm saying that. But uh, parody just. But... <laughs> Uh, but I mean, you know, Metallica of all people, incredibly rich people complaining about it. And if they're going to be mad at somebody stealing from them, perhaps their record company should be the first one they're mad at. I not, think so. Uh, not Napster. Yeah. It also reminds me of the Weird Al song, Don't Download This Song, where <laughs> I think he says even Lars Ulrich thinks it's wrong is one of the lyrics to that. So. <laughs> well, according yeah. to Napster, Weird Al wrote every song. That's right. God, yeah. <laughs> Including the famous Donald Duck blowjob clip. <laughs> That's right. See, Weird Al had much more reason to sue them because of all yeah. of the fake Weird Al songs that were on there. I'm glad you brought that up, Bob, because one time for my birthday, Joe, who I do the Found Footage Festival with, made me a compilation of all songs downloaded from Napster that were Weird Al Yankovic, but spelled W-I-E. Uh, <laughs> weird was spelled wrong, and then it was Yankovic. <laughs> and uh, I believe Oops, I Farted Again was on there. Um, and a sketch about Yoda smoking pot and uh, all, the, all the classic Weird Al hits. You knew oh. if there was weed or swears, it was not Weird Al. Yeah. Of course. 
Uh, man, that and, well, I guess actually, you know what? Napster did sort of give us Facebook, at least if the film Social Network is to be believed. So you know what? Maybe maybe we should be mad at Napster. I'm changing my mind now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, hey, welcome back to Nick Pruer from Found Footage Fest. Thanks for having me back, guys. And as of this recording, we are in uh, late August, and uh, recently you just kicked off the Kickstarter for Life on the Farm, a new documentary. Can you tell us all about that? Yeah, we are in progress on this documentary, and basically Joe and I were doing a found footage live show in Milwaukee, and a filmmaker who's from England originally came up to us afterwards and said, can I show you this video? And you know, like you were talking about how everyone was gathered around some kind of device saying, here, look at this funny video. That is the bane of our existence. You know, like we do a show where we show funny videos that we found physically at thrift stores and, you know, lovingly curated. And, and then somebody's like, dude, you got to check this this thing out. It's insane. And it's like a fake German forklift video that somebody found on YouTube. They're showing it to us at a table after a show. And it's like, you know, come on. This is a rare case where it was actually worth watching. This guy, Oscar, brought his laptop and he showed a VHS tape that his grandfather, he inherited from his grandfather after his grandpa died. And it was his neighbor, a farmer named Charles Carson in Somerset, England, was an early pioneer of video technology in the 80s. Not, I guess, using the technology. He had a video camera and he would use it and make titles and then film the titles and overdub his voice and make these kind of crude videos of what life was like on his farm. And it it starts off, you know, fairly normal and it gets very bizarre. He <laughs> he um, shows how the cow... At one point, he holds up the placenta of a cow who's just given birth and says it's lovely. And um, oh, God. he is... yeah. His parents are on the farm, life and death happens on the farm, and he's very cavalier about it. I mean, it's just a fact of life, so he has a funeral for a cat, and it's, 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 I've seen a lot of strange footage and, you know, 30 plus years of, of collecting VHS. This is the weirdest VHS tape I've ever seen. So the filmmaker Oscar has been, you know, we came in and agreed to help uh, get it made, and we've been uh, helping guide the documentary as he's gone to the farm, interviewed the, the man's relatives, and tracked down even more footage of this uh, really unique, eccentric man from England. I recommend our, our listeners go and check out the trailer. It's compelling. And I just realized while you're telling this story, you are living that Mr. Show uh, tape trading sketch. Yes. Yeah, it's true. exactly that. 20 it's plus exactly years later, that. you're still living it. <laughs> I know. I know. It's ex- Yeah, it's exactly what it's like. Oh, and, you know, and the, one of the other things is like there's this whole death positivity movement going on right now and people talking about being okay with death. And this, the, this Charles Carson guy, the subject of the documentary, was actually way ahead of his uh, the times God. at that point in the 80s because he just, you know, life and death were a, a matter of fact on the farm, so you get used to it very, very early. Man, but I I also, I, I totally identify with that annoyance you have when somebody is showing you, like, they promise you a cool video, and they're like, no, this is real. And then as you are, you're watching it, you're like, this is a sketch. This isn't real. This is a sketch from some other country or whatever. And and you realize it's you're, you, this guy got tricked mm. or whatever. That, that always bugs me. Yeah, and if you're in media like we are, you'd get better at sniffing it out. But you know, get, people get better at fooling people as well. So yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's the scary part. But occasionally, you do find good stuff. So you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You gotta listen to people. They're very excited to show you something, and <laughs> and you just hope it's it's something real. You you guys are like a sieve for the just the world of content that was vi- put on a videotape, and you find you find all the good, uh, good in quotes stuff <laughs> out there. <laughs> 
Yeah, we try. We've just been doing it so long that I think people know our sensibility now, and so we get boxes in the mail. I just opened one today that was uh, had a tape in it that somebody found called um, "How to Beat a Speeding Ticket," <laughs> um, and one was called uh, the other one in the in the box was called "What Me Juggle," and it was an, <laughs> an instructional video that came with juggling scarf, still uh... in the package. Oh, that's wonderful. It's like yeah. with Mystery Science Theater, when that was on the air, people assume, like, what happens when you run out of bad movies? You guys are the same way. It's like, you will, it's bottomless. The mm. The VHS market is bottomless, the amount of things that were produced. That's what I realized. And, and thrift stores, you know, we can't really go to them safely right now anyway. But even when we could, they're, they're seeing fewer VHS tapes being donated. A lot of them are just ending up in, in landfills because nobody's buying them. But even with, we have 11,000 tapes we've collected, and... We haven't gotten through even a third of them yet, so we have enough to last us for a long time. And which which people can see on your VCR party live streams that are still going even even in these times. Yeah, we've started doing that. We've started doing um uh, another show on on Saturdays, which I think you guys will be interested. Called Saturday Morning Cartoons, mm. and uh, I feel like there isn't appointment television for Saturday morning cartoons. It has been for a long time. So we're going to watch Forgotten Cartoons on VHS with uh, various special guests and uh, uh, do the air, air those at 10 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday mornings. All right. I'm watching the, I'm watching the next one for sure. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yep. If you want to see the Garbage Pail Kids cartoon or uh, Laverne and Shirley's cartoon with uh, Mr. Cool and uh, Fonzie and the gang, uh, uh, join us. We're both laughing. For whatever reason, the Laverne and Shirley Join the Army cartoon keeps coming up yeah. on our podcast. <laughs> I can't believe Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to it's laugh. It's so weird. It keeps coming. It's just we're in its weird thing where it like it organically comes up e like every three podcasts now. I think uh, I, I remember watching it. It must have been in reruns, but I remember doing an impression of Mr. Cool Fonzie's dog and uh, <laughs> as as a kid. So I don't know where I saw it, but it stuck with me. I, I remember him being like a Muttley style character. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, yeah, and I don't think talked in words. I think it was all sort of gibberish. A lot of like hand, hand over mouth. I almost put my hand over my mouth as I said that hand over mouth laughter that uh, apparently all dogs do in cartoons. He was the original Poochie. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but let's like, animate that way, right? <laughs> I guess yeah. If you cover the mouth and lip sync. There, oh my god! Like uh, a cartoon that takes place in uh, the pandemic. Oh, uh, no man. lip sync, no You're lip right. sync at all. Uh, saving right. so much money. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess uh, Nick, were you watching this episode live when it when it came out in two thousand? I was. I stuck with The Simpsons as a regular Sunday night viewer from you know from Tracy Ullman uh, all the way through. I believe two thousand. Four, which, mm. which is when we started going on the road uh, a lot and I was not at home on Sunday so uh, but yeah I would watch every Sunday and I was at this time was collecting a lot of the Simpsons play sets the talking Simpsons play sets mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I remember I was working at the Letterman show at the time and my coworker and I were obsessed with those and we there was a website Entertainment Earth that would always have the new ones that came out and or we'd We'd call down to Toys R Us in Times Square and find <laughs> out if the new set came out. And after work, we'd go down and, and I'd pick him up one of each and we'd grab one of each and I just hoarded those play sets. <laughs> 
Just building your uh, two-model set of uh, Springfield in your basement or something. <laughs> yeah, and then my girlfriend at the time was like, "We can't. We have a, a 400 square foot apartment. We cannot have all these play sets." And so I, oh. I remember going to a comic book store and and selling them all and being very heartbroken Honey, about it. Honey, the kitchenette is Springfield now. I don't know what to tell <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, I know. You can just eat sitting in the toilet or bathtub. You know, <laughs> just do that. <laughs> that was my suggestion, but but yeah, no, I, I remember watching this one live. And then being sort of blown away at the continuity of, oh, yeah, Barney's still sober in, in the episodes and thinking that was kind of groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the time, like, King of the Hill uh, was the cartoon making these big continuity moves. Uh, Simpsons wasn't really into this outside of the stuff that Bill and Josh did in 7 and 8. Yeah, well, though, in season 11, they're starting to take the big swings with, like, Apu, not only Mary, but has eight kids. Yeah. And uh, a few episodes ago, Maude has died. And now, yep. now here goes Barney into a sobriety. But it was a weird uh, spring of 2000. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, what is your what is your thought? Like, uh, what do you think about that? Because I know like Joe's dad loves The Simpsons and he was very against the idea of the characters changing permanently in any way. And I sort of, you know, as The Simpsons as comfort food, you don't like that either. But as as somebody who's written for TV, I it's so stagnant to have to reset every week too. So I could see that you'd as a writer it'd be more fun to have things permanently change. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it does feel weird because The Simpsons is such a static show that change does feel uh, alienating. But I mentioned King of the Hill earlier. Like, I think they did a good job of like every 18 months introducing some kind of new element to the show. Either a character, you know, goes somewhere or a baby enters the picture or there's some sort of growth spurt or a new job or something that kept new stories happening. And I think that helped the show uh, stay good until the very end. I, I think with every change, the the main question, and I think the writers at least ask themselves when they make this choice on the change, even if uh, some uh, I or others might disagree with the results of it, but I think they at least ask themselves, like, are these jokes getting stale and would making this change make us have better opportunities for better jokes? And, like, I think they felt with Maud, well, partially it was about not liking the voice actress quitting the show but also i think they were like what do we do with Maude? she's just the boring wife like there's nothing there maybe we can find new jokes with ned if he's a single guy dating around and same deal with like apu oh if apu's like the new married guy the newly married guy and the new father maybe there's more jokes they can do there but i but as bob had pointed out very well in that episode it's like they kind of wrote themselves into a corner and barely used apu after that and and i think marty might be one of the worst examples of that for comedy's sake because every joke with Barney is about the heightening of alcoholic tendencies. When you take those away, if he is just a functional man who has no problems, he loses a lot of the the comedic potential he has as as important it is that somebody gets sober and you yeah. want to show a, a person succeeding at getting sober you lose opportunities for jokes yeah i think with the this change in particular it took something away from the character uh i will bring up uh, a millhouse divided in season eight that change actually gave us two uh functionally new characters like kirk and luann van houten 
had basically no personality. I think Kirk's like one line today was "Get off our property." Yeah. He became yeah. a character in that episode, as mm-hmm. did Luann. They became like defined characters, yeah. so that gave them something. In many of these cases, it's taking characteristics away that we like, and and also giving Milhouse jokes about being a divorced child, which were jokes they weren't telling before, and. I, I don't know if this opened up as many Barney jokes of like, uh, th- I felt like every Barney appearance after this one until he just became a drunk again, there were jokes about, what, they weren't even jokes about it, it was like, oh, and you're at Moe's Bar and Barney's there drinking coffee. And but, his, his yeah, hair is combed. His hair is combed. He doesn't have much to add, you know? You're right. It's it's in how they do it. And, and I think like... It, you know, as much as you want characters from a narrative standpoint to grow and be interesting, there are some characters in The Simpsons that I just want to be comedic. Like, I don't need to know about their inner life. I don't need to know anything other than come on for a few jokes, be a sidekick. Like, the family, you know, explore their emotions. I think they've been able to do that with a few other characters. But Barney, the town drunk, just seems like he should have stayed the town drunk. Yeah, I agree. And I I did want to talk about uh, Barney as a character just to sort of uh, explain who he is and where he came from. I'm sure we talked about it before, but Barney is one of the many elements of the show that was intentionally a throwback in 1989. Like, remember when old sitcoms had crazy drunk characters? Wouldn't Mm. it be, like, not politically correct if we did that? And that's what they did, along with all the other choices, like, you know, Bart being a Dennis the Menace-style character with a slingshot. Like, all of these 60s and 50s tropes in a late 80s early 90s show and Barney is one of them and Barney is essentially this is like such before our times a Barney is basically crazy Guggenheim from <laughs> the uh, Jackie Gleason show and Jackie would have these sketches on his show where he'd play a bartender then this guy called crazy Guggenheim played by Frank Fontaine would come in and like tell these crazy stories and talk in Barney's voice and then Jackie be like I think I heard somebody put a coin in the jukebox and then he'd sing in this beautiful voice like a very uh, melancholy song that's why barney yeah, does that yeah. in the b sharps yeah so i have a clip here you can at least hear him tell like the beginning of a joke and i'll tell you when to cut it off because it goes on forever <laughs> remember the pet shop on the corner where we used to walk by and see the monkeys in the windows and everything they're tearing that down yeah i'll never forget that boy one day i went in the show to get my mother a birthday present oh they had a lot of nice things to get in there yeah I wanted the best for my mother. You know how it is. I went in there and I said, I said to the clerk, Marty, I said, give me that parrot. That's the one I want. Beautiful looking parrot. He says, that'll cost you $20. I said, for what? A parrot? Okay. <laughs> so that's basically where Barney comes from. And like it was, uh, uh, you know, a crude character for 89 because like Cheers was an incredibly uh, popular sitcom uh, about a bar. Nobody was ever this drunk on Cheers. Mm-hmm. There was no crazy drunk character on Cheers. Maybe like there'd be like a th- like an extra character in the background or something. But like Norm or Cliff or Sam or Carla or, or Frazier, they were functionally like half drunk yeah. in the show. But no one was talking like this and slurring their they, speech. They were all functional alcoholics on that show. And I, I mean, it, comedies would more have a very special episode about an alcohol problem, not a recurring character who has a drinking problem and just everyone accepts it. Oh, there was also uh, Otis oh. the Town Drunk, of course, in uh, the Andy Griffith show, who was one of the funniest characters. And I, I thought like. You know, the, the good part about him is he never got sober. He was always, like, locking himself up because he just knew, you know, he should be in jail. And uh, then I was reading about it before recording and then returned to Mayberry, the 1986 TV movie. Uh, he got sober 
and became like the ice cream man of the town. Aww. So oh, wow. everybody tries to, I guess everybody tries to make their alcoholic characters not alcoholics anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, it came from a time when being an alcoholic was more socially acceptable. Like, oh, that's just, you know, Sam, he's a drunk. Yeah, that's what he does. drunk guy, not uh, as not we <laughs> talked more about like, oh, no, alcoholism is a, a horrible disease and people need help with it. Yeah, so Barney was an intentional throwback of that kind of character. Plus, it's, I mean, it's, it's giving Homer the Fred Flintstone of the show a Barney that's his friend yeah. too except this one is drunk who also in the in the early seasons he's a bully to Homer it's not he's not as uh easily cowed in those early seasons and as Lenny points out uh he makes uh Homer's alcoholism seem less monstrous right exactly yeah <laughs> all of that that's the that's the I think some of my favorite stuff in this episode that anything Barney does to get help is something Homer needs just as much. But he's like, hey, I'm not as bad as Barney. So he, he doesn't need that help. But yeah, the that's uh, it's also funny seeing that gleason clip because like i don't know i feel like i look at jackie lisa i'm like you're probably pretty sauced right now too oh, yeah buddy. Like, <laughs> but but that's just the 50s that everybody mm -hmm. drank like fish then. that was yeah it was always like ah oh, the lighter side of alcoholism that was, that was <laughs> sort of like a whole character trope in the 50s and 60s when in real life that character would like fall uh leaving the bar and crack a set open and die on the pavement yes. there's nothing funny about it uh no that's well yeah when we um we just did a bunch of research into like Disney's classic animators and a couple were like oh this guy was a raging drunk and it's like what oh what happened to that guy well he drank himself to death or he had a car accident and died like that's why he didn't he didn't do anything after 1959 did you ever wonder why that was <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. More exciting than dogs playing poker, this week's episode was brought to you by our cool guest, Nick Perrier. We thank him so much for coming on, one of our best friends of the show. Definitely follow him and the Found Footage Fest, all the cool stuff that the Found Footage Guides do on their Patreon and on their YouTube channel. Check it all out. And also, if you enjoy this podcast or our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, you should know that signing up at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons is how me and Bob are able to do it as our full-time jobs. Supporters at Patreon, $5 a month. They not only know that they help us out and keep on living, but they also get a ton of exclusive content. Right now, they could be hearing every Friday a, a brand new Talking Futurama where me and Bob cover a different episode from the second season of Futurama that was airing at the same time as season 11 of The Simpsons. And you'll get access to all of the previous miniseries as well where we cover shows like Mission Hill, King of the Hill, previous episodes of Futurama, and The Critic. All of them are yours at five bucks a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. You know what's awesome to listen to while taking helicopter lessons? That would be the What A Cartoon Movie Podcast, our extra premium podcast that we do each month for our $10 and up subscribers in addition to all of the $5 stuff I just talked about. Each month, me and Bob do a podcast that is sometimes even over four hours long about a different animated feature film in the same style as Talking Simpsons and What A Cartoon. We just covered Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, a ton of stop motion fun there. We chat about cheese 
these quite a lot. Previous ones have been Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, Ghost in the Shell, Aladdin, a Goofy movie, Beavis and Butthead do America, The Iron Giant, and tons and tons more. You can hear over 100 hours of classic What a Cartoon Movie podcast and a brand new one each month. If you're a $10 and up subscriber at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. But I guess we should talk about the writers of this episode yes. uh, as part of this very long preamble. So uh, some some new guy, uh, <laughs> Dan Castellaneta, never heard of him, never wrote anything before, but he wrote this with his wife, uh, Deb LaCusta. And of course, Dan is Homer. Of course, I was just, I was pulling your leg out there, everybody. Mm-hmm. I was pulling so many legs. Uh, but yeah, Dan wrote this and the story goes that he and his wife wrote this uh, original script. The way Dan tells it was he dropped it off to Al Jean the day of the table read of Duffless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess he didn't know what the premise of Duffless would be and Al was like, uh, previous showrunner Al Jean with Mike Reese in season 3 and 4 was like, you know, this is a great script but it is too similar to Duffless, a show about Homer, you know, you know, going on a 30 day uh, hiatus from drinking so yeah. we can't do it now. So they waited 7 years and basically did the same thing to uh, um, to Mike Scully is like leave it on his desk mm-hmm. and surprise him. Yeah, as uh, we we talked a little with Mike Scully about this in our December 2017 interview. If you're on the Patreon, you should check that out in the archives. But uh, he mentioned like how it was kind of terrifying for him for a little bit in the morning to come in and see like basically the lead voice actor in the show wrote a script and if you don't like it you've got a real problem on your hands and you're gonna have to deal with a star who wants to make their episode but he was like oh no this is really funny like so he yeah they decided to go through with it i mean it also too is like that i wonder if castellanetta had extra confidence in doing this because this was right after the pay dispute thing uh. so he was like oh hey we asked for more money and we got it maybe it's time uh, to push for that other thing i've been thinking about too i think so and it does help that dan really defined homer like so many of his ad libs made into the show as dialogue we remember and he just you know he is the voice it's going to be very hard to replace him but yeah he is not just some random guy writing an episode like he so much of him uh, made who homer uh, is the way he is he's i mean crusty too like i think homer yeah. homer and crusty are like two of the best cartoon voices that ever were and i think too it shows that dan is incredibly good at improvising in character uh and also you know you got barney and willie and quimby and mel and gill like all these amazing uh voices he does like so it it makes sense that he could at least like write i mean uh simpson scripts are so heavily rewritten anyway that i mean why not let him write a script that they're gonna heavily rewrite instead of like you know somebody's harvard buddy perhaps (laughs) (laughs) was dan there when you guys went to the table read oh yeah yes yeah it was something else uh, did he do any um improvising do you remember Mm, you know what i don't think i think he you know i think he made a couple of like there was like a fight scene that happened in it and in character he had to make like fight noises that was pretty funny i guess i think there were like a few fun comments he sprinkled in yeah, just to make people yeah, laugh but yeah. nothing like uh, super ambitious though so that was yeah a- 
I remember that too because I went to a table read and and Dan was was there and he would make asides or things that I feel like were just trying to make the table laugh that weren't in the script when I was following along. Because he is like a true performer too. Like even though he's like you know in his plain clothes and wearing a baseball cap and just reading a script, I think he still has the want to perform in front of people. Like his, I mean, his background totally lends itself to that. I I looked up some of the stuff. So he was in Second City improv mm. and i wondered like who did he do improv with because you know lots of people work for second city but they were in like they had like even back then five different troops so just because technically he was in second city at the same time as stephen colbert doesn't mean that he knew stephen colbert or worked with him but uh the ones he mentioned that he worked with a lot were like richard kind of the famous people richard kind uh rich hall bonnie hunt oh mo himself rich hall yes the, oh man you wonder if he suggested like hey you know who was ugly i worked with rich hall make, make him look the- like this ugly guy you know <laughs> Uh, and and also he went to college and did uh, college radio with UCB founder Matt Walsh as well. Oh, so, awesome! Yeah, yeah. And he didn't have any like professional TV or movie writing credits before this, outside of one sketch for the Tracy Ullman show. Uh, oh, okay. That's all I found from uh-huh. him. But uh, he and his wife would go on to write eight more episodes between 2000 and 2018. Maybe even more in the future. I don't know what their mm. plans are. But yeah, like after this, they wrote uh, I guess like the wraparound stuff for a clip show. Yeah. That's not the uh, yeah gump roast isn't the best episode no let's let's but... not parody uh, forrest gump in 2002 yes yeah, Let, let's not do that and then they went on to write uh, a lot of actually good episodes yeah they they wrote the Artie ziff returns episode that i i thought was a pretty good new simpsons episode and by new i do mean 15 years ago yes uh, <laughs> but yeah he and deb have been married since 1987 and uh they're still together they yeah. met in a chicago improv class in 82 their relationship Damn. is as old as we are bob that's how <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, I mean, she's she's a writer and performer in her own right, too. This isn't just like give a favor to the actor's wife like they've been writing and performing together for like, you know, close to 20 years by the time this episode aired. Yeah. And you can hear some of the sketches they wrote on Dan's CD he put out in 2002 called I Am Not Homer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never heard it, so I can't uh, test to uh, how good it is, but I, sh- I assume it's on YouTube or whatever, like every old piece of music is. Or I, I listen to one where Deb plays a radio show advice host and dan plays a series of silly characters who call in and ask about problems and it's fun it's a fun i mean when i hear them together i'm like if you guys got together now you would be a popular improvisational podcast married couple yeah they'd be like on comedy bang bang every month totally and i was looking to see like what has deb done uh like acting wise and she was like in one episode of tracy allman uh and then in some dan adjacent stuff like she was in one episode of aladdin doing a voice she's actually doing a ton of incidental voices in the back to the future cartoon Mm. so like just dan probably got her into it because they needed somebody and she's Mm. obviously talented so yeah like but not a lot of stuff outside of this oh and she was a copywriter at the same ad company as john swartzwell oh really yeah damn (laughs) the i i I remember Dan said that on an old commentary, but I was watching like a, a Dan interview about how he met Deb and he was mentioning like, yeah, at the time she was a copywriter in Chicago and we- working with John Swartzwelder in the same building. So, which is really yeah. crazy. So, I mean, IMDB kind of undersells their writing abilities because they don't count like radio mm-hmm. and that's where they were doing a lot of their writing and like on the stage too. 
and uh, and also i turned up one other interesting thing they worked together on the simpsons which was in the early days of the simpsons comics so that surprised me it it was uh it either uh, it was published in february 1994 probably written late 1993 which actually would time out to around when duffless was being worked on so i'm wondering if they submitted that and after it was turned down they're like hey mad we want to write a comic book instead so uh this was a backup comic in simpsons comics 3 called crusty agent of clown which is an eight page full-on like pa- panel for panel parody of jim steronko's nick fury agent of shield comics from 68 and it's it's very involved you if you didn't read those comics i think it probably makes zero sense to you i think i, I just remembered uh looking through this trade you have henry like every simpsons comic in the beginning at least was just like a reference to the 50s or 60s like yes. tales from the crypt or uh, the amazing colossal man things like that i had actually asked bill morrison about this on twitter before bill morrison was one of the artists who drew that comic and I asked, like, oh, how involved were Dan and Deb? Because from the credits, I thought it could just be like, it's just a series of names. It doesn't give story by or whatever. I thought maybe Dan and Deb just said, hey, you should do like a shield thing with Krusty. But uh, here's what Morrison said when I asked him. I believe Steve Vance did the plot and Dan and Deb scripted it, but it may have been the other way around. In either case, they were very involved. So cool. that's great. Yeah. It's uh, if you want to look it up, it's in uh, the first Simpsons comics collection. It was Simpsons comics number three, but it's the backup of it. Unfortunately, so, yeah. not in the Matsumoto era, so I can't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good thing that they wrote together and, and did so many plots together i think it's you know similar to how on live action shows eventually most of the cast directs an episode like brian cranston directed a lot of episodes aaron paul directed episodes of breaking bad like it's just kind of what ends up happening for these stars on popular shows they want to diversify their skills too and and work on stuff that they couldn't otherwise so yeah i think i mean is it is it a little bit of cronyism perhaps i guess it's not but i i think this was a fine fine script of yeah, episode so. too and uh, also one other behind the scenes thing before we start is that i think i uh, i believe that scully uh said in our interview he didn't want to say this was definite but as he remembered he's like i think dan castellanetta was also just getting a little tired of barney and playing barney drunk and mm. like that he i i mean too bill and josh they wanted to put barney in jail at the end of uh, and write him out of the show at the end of who shot mr burns that's right yeah like they were already tired with it, of him at the end of season six so. yeah i was thinking like i think barney like his greatest hits are really in the first four years of the show and then he was really used sparingly like did he have any plots after uh, deep space homer hmm i'm scratching my head for that i'm yeah. sure we're forgetting a big one but uh, i mean there was the film festival you yeah, know, that's true. don't cry for yeah. me. I'm already dead. But I guess he wasn't the the lead in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I I mean it was whenever he'd even get a joke in episodes, I was like, oh, Barney got a joke. Like I guess he made Homer go to New York City by stealing the car. So I think that was in the season nine season premiere. So that might be the last time he was that plot focused. Like 
just two episodes ago in Pygmalion, he is just like a silent creature who's yeah. like a prop, really. He doesn't say anything. Yeah. Oh, and also on the commentary, the uh, the director of the episode, Neil Affleck, he brings up that like he has his own has had his own issues with getting sober and that he put that into the episode uh though the way he brings it up is like kind of uh uh uncomfortable because he's like anybody else here have problems with drinking because i did and put it in the show it's like maybe people don't want to talk about that in the commentary <laughs> and and also yeah uh scully mentions on the commentary and in our interview that like the original script did what a Simpson script nor is expected to do, which is return to the status quo. Barney falls off the wagon and Scully uh, said partially influenced by like the extended family he knew who had problems with drinking uh that he said while it is realistic that someone would fall off the wagon after like a few weeks of of uh going sober it was too dark and he kind of wanted to uh uh, hope for the best with barney instead that's the socially responsible thing to do i don't know if it's the funniest thing to do yeah (laughs) yeah you know it's uh well that's why eventually i feel like they i feel like after this in the writer's room they probably were just nudging each other like, come on, can Barney just be drunk? It'd be funny if Barney, the drunk guy, did a thing here. The way they make him drunk is just very uh, unceremonious. Mm-hmm. He just uh, uh, has an unrelated relapse. And I think it's, I'm spelling as fast as I can. I forget which. Yes, uh, yeah, that's right. Episode, <laughs> I think I think it's season 14. Let's see. 14. Yeah, season 14. That's so he's quickly, sober until February of 2003. So he's got three years of sobriety. Hey, it's better than some people do, you know? <laughs> but uh but all right let's now at the 38 minute mark <laughs> let's get into our first clip here uh as bart and homer search through some trash ah trash night in france they call it la nuit de poubelle in germany it's Krabbenfest. i can't believe it only comes 52 times a year wet cabin and start grabbing and remember <laughs> the best stuff is usually deep in the garbage juice <laughs> See? A new pacifier for Maggie. Look at here! Cardboard tubes! Now we can have indoor plumbing, just like they's got at the women's lockup. They spoilt you, Brandine. Sometimes I don't even know who you are anymore. Ha! <laughs> Looks like Newhouse's mom finally threw out his blankie. He'll pay a lot to get this back. Especially when we send it to him piece by piece. <laughs> 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 Millhouse is an OG brony. I forgot about that. You're right. <laughs> uh, Ten years before the reboot, Millhouse. The accuracy of that My Little Pony logo is striking to me. I'm like, wow, you just drew it. You just drew the My Little Pony logo on there. And yeah, it wasn't Happy Little Elves. It was just My Little Pony. You know, that's that's the thing in season 11. They're getting more into like, just name the thing. Don't make up a thing yeah. for it. I guess the Teletubbies know? show up soon. The Teletubbies do. Amber making, Reynolds as making well. Making their third appearance in this season, I think. You're right. Yeah. Wow. They, that's uh, uh, And uh, Homer's French apparently translates to Night of the Bins. So uh, well, I, hmm. well, I think Krappenfest is not a real German no. word. But <laughs> I don't know. Ger- Ger- you folks in Germania tell me otherwise. Did either of you guys have uh, have 
have blankies? Oh yes, yeah. I had. Mm. A, I did have a blankie. I uh, I held on to until uh, thirteen or so. I'm pretty. <laughs> I, I I don't recall. I think it was more like a stuffed animal. But I, I think the Peanuts cartoon uh, brainwashed generation into two. Uh. Like, well, every child has a blankie, right? And we were just given <laughs> uh, them. Well, so my blankie was one with like balloons on it, and I. Well, I did. Okay, I did sleep with it every night, but it was more like I just placed it on top of my other blankets, like just a a stack of blankets, so I could say like, no, I don't need my blanket. But if <laughs> but if it was taken away from me, I would have said, no, no, don't don't do it's that. It's not a crud. It's something you've come to rely upon yeah. to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I had a blanket too. It was a blue blanket that had kind of a silk border to it that I would always like. You know, it was like a self-soothing thing. I would mm-hmm. touch the little silk end of the... But yeah, I think I got rid of it around five or six. But I, I love that blankie. I, I would take it to... If we were going to a restaurant with my family. And yeah, I think I would have been upset too if somebody threw it away. And was sending it to you back piece by piece. That's <laughs> also... Uh, and I also like the implication that Bart and Homer just do it every week. The, every week they go through the garbage together. It's a good return of the term uh, garbage juice too. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, that... The zoom in. <laughs> on the green liquid dripping off the pacifier made it extra disgusting <laughs> uh and also a very dark joke that brandy never knows uh plumbing until she is put in prison <laughs> then it's on henry's time to shine because comic book talk time. oh i did a bit of research but I, th- I figured you knew all this oh yeah i i had to look this up for the specific dates but yeah so uh comic book guys throwing out the she hulk versus leon spinks comic uh which just so you know leon spinks he made the news in 1970 because he got a shocking split decision win over Muhammad Ali. Yeah, it was sort of like a Buster Douglas style move where no one mm-hmm. expected it and that was the height of his career. And he never, I mean Ali beat him the next time and it is just a series of losses after that. So the implication is nobody would buy that comic because Leon Spinks is a loser. Nobody wants to read his comic book. Hey, I had Buster Douglas boxing for Sega so I will defend <laughs> any one time win boxers. That's right. He got that game deal right before his big loss. That's, that's why I Sega Genesis signed up for Evander Holyfield right after that. The boxers in that game were just <laughs> massive. They scared me. <laughs> they wanted yeah. that. They wanted that game because they're like, oh, Ty- he beat Tyson, and Mike Tyson's game is on the NES. So if we have the game of the guy who beat Tyson, then we beat the NES. It was one of uh, Sega's stable of celebrities alongside Tommy Lasorda and Michael Jackson. Yes, yeah. Uh, before they got Sonic, they just were like, can we have every celebrity? But but so this parody though of a crossover is actually based on a real crossover comic from 1978 the same year that leon spinks beat uh muhammad ali and that is superman versus muhammad ali which uh, i don't know if you guys have read uh or looked into it that uh, much. i was looking at some scans of it on uh, google image search as far as i got it was a big event comic at the time because not only was it you know the fictional idea of like who'd win in a fight superman or muhammad ali uh but also that like it was drawn by neil adams written by dennis o'neill who were like the a-level folks working in dc comics at the time and uh and like they drew every possible celebrity they could on the cover if you want to see the celebrities of 1978 (laughs) they are defined as being on the cover of that comic book but uh in that comic 
Uh, so space aliens invade and force Muhammad Ali to fight Superman because they want to know who'd win in a fight. Superman gets depowered, so it is a fair fight, and Muhammad Ali knocks him out. And so that is who would win in a fight. Muhammad Ali would defeat Superman. And that book came out like right after he lost the title. Yes. So yeah. it wasn't that big of a deal? Yes, it was less of a big a deal. But I mean, Muhammad Ali still was was famous and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it actually it came right after the Spinks lost. So the specificness of that, uh, and also knowing that like uh most of the writers on the show are comic book dorks. I, I think it is a very intentional uh, joke there. Well, speaking of superheroes crossing over into the real world, I wanted to ask Nick if he ever asked David Letterman about meeting the Avengers. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. My very like minimal interactions that didn't come up. Ah, oh, jeez, oh, it's too bad. Because I mean, there's proof. Yeah, I'm looking at all these drawings right now. <laughs> uh, he got to ask Wonder Man questions, and Spider Man <laughs> webbed his hair. What were some of the other? Were there other crossovers like that? Oh, the classic Obama Spider Man one. There is that's, that. That's one. the one yeah, I'm thinking yeah. of. <laughs> but around the same time as the Letterman one was, it was the Avengers meet the cat, the original cast of SNL as well. They did that comic. Ah, and uh, and of course before that in the '60s, Jerry. Lewis just had a series of comics mm. of just Jerry Lewis where he'd uh, fight the Joker uh, on on occasion. So there's there's been a number of celebrity superhero uh, mashups, but I just don't get it for kids. You know they're not actually meeting because you're looking at a drawing. Like it's just it's a drawing of a celebrity meeting somebody. It just doesn't <laughs> yeah. feel the same. I also don't get the Jerry Lewis comic book. Like you know it's funny pictures or sorry drawings of Jerry Lewis yes, drawings, not his voice or anything like that. <laughs> Well, that, you know that that uh, for this Saturday morning cartoon show, we're going to watch an episode of the Police Academy cartoon, <laughs> and the, the, they have the Michael Winslow character in there who is doing funny voices, but they just dub in like a police siren oh. with his lips with his lips moving. So the whole reason for his character is he could do funny noises with his mouth, and he's not doing those. It's a cartoon. Oh, that's what, what I a, paid for. What a mistake. When man. I saw him in Spaceballs, I stood up and applauded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all did. Uh, also, the nerds reading around through garbage. Bob got to see me do that exact thing <laughs> uh, when we got to take a tour of the DC Comics offices in Burbank. Because at the end of the tour, they're like, hey, we got all these comics. We're probably just thrown away because we got too many comics. You want to just grab them or have some? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just searching through it desperately. Like, little free comic books. It was Pearls Before Swine for me. Yes, if they had old yeah. Mad Magazines, I would have walked out there with a box <laughs> we get a quick joke about homer wearing a sports bra like uh this is not too far removed from his large chest jokes done in uh the alone again natural diddly as well uh homer homer used to be like just his gut poked out he didn't really have like a large chest but uh now we're in the man boobs <laughs> comedy years here i mean this is after fight club so it's uh, that's true yeah more mainstream than ever and I also wonder, did Castellaneta himself choose to make all these jokes about hairy Italians? Because oh well, that, that he's is lacking some hair somewhere. <laughs> it's uh, it's his jealousy coming out there. Yeah, I, you know, he must have thought. I mean, okay, he joined Second City in 1979. He must have thought he was getting on SNL, right? Like hmm. that must have been his dream. Like he's like, oh, I'm the next Bill Murray, but like his hair left him even faster than Bill Murray, or he didn't invest in the hair plugs Bill Murray has. I don't know. I've never but... seen him not bald. Yeah. <laughs> 
and uh, then we get a Bob's Big Poi comedy joke. That's not that's not bad. That's cute. That's it's cute. cute. Yeah, and I, I just miss tiki bars. They're fun. I know. Yeah, this this felt so L.A. to me as well. These tiki bar jokes. I mean, I guess tiki bars are all around. Are there a lot of them in in the New York City area, Nick? Yeah, there's a handful of them. You know, you get a twenty six dollar cocktail that comes with a, a ceramic Buddha mug you drink out of. That kind of thing. I'm yeah. I'm there for the tackiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, though, also the talking tiki feels like a reference to the Disneyland's Enchanted Tiki Room mm, as well. Okay, yeah. Uh, and Homer references the Billy Ocean song, get, into my, get out of my dreams and into my car. And then comes a joke about leaking gas, which Marge and Maggie should be <laughs> dead walking through a wavy kitchen. Oh, That's so crazy. The, it's, a, it's a good, it's a great Marge line. Like, they're so wavy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a great animation effect on the waviness too as she comes in yeah and uh but yes homer has um gone drunk with fiery god power here i don't remember the air in the kitchen being so wavy good lord that's gas behold i am king talky tiki ah! hey blanders can your god do that? Actually, Homer, you and I worship the same god. So Irregardless, I am your god now. <laughs> Homer, you can't just reroute the gas line. Do you know how dangerous that is? Do not anger, Talky Tiki. I am all powerful. Ah! I'll be at most. <laughs> This is one of the more insane things Homer's done. I yeah, think. yeah. Uh, it's uh, I do like him saying irregardless. That's that's just a funny <laughs> fake. Uh, uh, that's like a Harvard word joke a little bit of like is irregardless. I guess it is officially a word now. It's actually, officially a word. Got, yeah. Still bothers me. Still <laughs> bothers me. It's like the people who want you to say champing at the bit. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. try. I'm, t- I'm going to say chomping. I love chomping all over those bits. It just it makes more sense to chomp on a bit than champ on it. People that say primer instead of primer, get out of here. <laughs> uh, well, it also like... I feel like Bill and Josh would have frowned on Homer just lighting everything on fire and screaming at people. Running away. Yeah, he he literally leaves his house to burn down. And like is the way Marge just is like open mouthed it. You're running away from a fire that's moving towards the house. It's a it's a show about an alcoholic, this one, but it's not Homer. Homer set that lawn on fire and then is going to get drunk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and on the DVD, there's a hidden deleted scene that shows Marge puts her foot over the fire moving through the hose to cut off the gas. And so that explains that there's no fire that hmm. spreads. And uh, they put out the fire by turning on a uh, sprinkler Buddha. It is a Buddha that is a sprinkler as well. So. I thought we were missing a scene of Marge like taking care of it. It felt like that was missing. <laughs> I guess they liked it better of just like the smash into the next scene. Like, you know what? Homer runs away and leaves a fire like he's that big of an asshole. Uh, and also the albeit Moe's transitioning to the next scene, like that's out of the Helen Hunt episode as well of uh, Homer. In, in that case, actually, that one was Homer leaving Marge with a problem of water. Now it's fire. <laughs> so. What element will be next? <laughs> I like the. I mean, I like the whole thing of them finding garbage and that leading to the fire. But it could have been any. It doesn't connect in any way to the rest of the plot, like a lot of the later seasons. But like, I gotta go to Moe's. Could have been said for anything and then it would get us into the regular plot it could have just started at most yeah (laughs) exactly yeah uh at any point it could have changed and i mean also like garbage 
garbage diving to tiki torch man also doesn't really connect too much either no uh but uh then it comes to the bar lenny has a funny opening gag that also is like no you're an alcoholic this is a this is a cry for help as well (laughs) uh which that is the danger when you do an episode about how no these jokes about barney actually mean he's in a bad place then you have you think about like well wait what about those other jokes about being drunk by other characters should we be worried there too like how how much should we laugh it, it becomes kind of the question then i mean again lenny points out they're much more functional than barney yeah yeah it's true they, so they all can he, hold down jobs he puts things in perspective for, uh, perspective for them and uh, i also love the use of all of the times they say glum in this next clip too <laughs> so he says to the cop no you're driving under the influence of being a jerk (laughs) (laughs) hey barney what's with the glum face you glum or something that glummy you know it was my birthday last week and no one remembered what are you nuts i threw your party at my house you lie why would i not remember my own birthday huh. but we did have a shindig for you bon we even videotaped it look and uh then uh, you know nick in your time with vhs's have you found anything of someone filming a male uh carrier <laughs> <laughs> nothing like that we we did find one at an estate sale in queens that uh was an old man uh wearing like a uh dress like looking into the camera and um dancing to the phantom of the opera soundtrack and then it cuts abruptly and then it's the same guy behind the camera recording somebody demolishing his house or demolishing the house across the street like a construction worker (laughs) and he gets into a classic queen's expletive laden argument whether he's allowed to film that or not and then the videotape ends so (laughs) it was just a weird home movie we found in a video camera that uh it leaves you with more questions than it answers. He had a lot of interests. <laughs> uh, yeah. Know, you know this guy better than his family did. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah, the, but uh, this is a difficult needle to thread here. That I think the episode in uh, does pretty well, but like they want you to feel humanity for Barney here. They want you to, they give him a realistic thing of like an alcoholic blacked out and they don't remember something and you're, and they're frustrated at you telling them that. Like all of these things, it, uh but but it's also like i don't know what what you ask yourself why do i feel bad for barney now when i was told to not feel bad about him yeah going like i'm supposed to be the mayor yeah you know (laughs) why why do we feel bad now but i think it's just letting it i think starting it with him thinking everybody forgot his birthday at least like that puts you in an empathetic place for barney at least and glum is a funny word you know glummy glummy <laughs> yeah, glummy uh, th- what's on tape too is just like very realistic oh yeah I, I mean uh having having aged like 20 years since this aired i definitely recognize this in a lot of people i've known over the years right? and uh, hopefully not myself i feel like when i am drunk i am either sleepy or wanting to show people youtube videos <laughs> that, that's my attitude i don't get belligerent or become professor bob mm. or uh you know get sad so i, I think i lucked out there yeah 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 i i uh drinking makes me too sleepy to i feel like by a fourth drink i am like i need bedtime i just have no i don't have much tolerance for it despite you think you know i got a few extra pounds on me that could soak it up and yet i I really can't handle it very well in our lives uh we've i've experienced folks who like 
then have done the things I saw Barney do in this episode that I didn't know when I was 18 and watched it the first time. Yeah, yeah. And it is very well, I mean, it's as it, as far as a comedy about observational material, it is very observational of people with drinking problems and what it's like to be around them, especially at a party where they have the permission to be more drunk. Yeah, I just, I think of the phrase Professor Barney uh, over and over with people I've known in my life, especially when Barney Barney is being as racist as to let him be on TV. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I love the uh, his response to Lisa. No, I'm not. <laughs> that is, uh, see, that is one of the most painfully real moments yeah, yeah. in the episode. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of um, the "They Might Be Giants" song. Your racist friend, a little bit like exactly. It's, yeah, somebody's at a party and they let the contents of the bottle do the thinking, and they're yeah, and they start telling you things that are that are couched in, um, you know. What does he say? Everybody has a different planet they can live on. And we'd <laughs> all like, be happier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've had, I've had that uh, thing with family members of, of extended family members of saying like, you're making me uncomfortable with what you feel you think you can say now. And then he's like, no, I'm not. No, actually <laughs> the, the one before this uh, was Bart to the future, right? Yes. Like, I feel like deadbeat Bart also has a lot of the alcoholic traits I recognize and people I've known over mm. the years. Like everybody, I, I know, I know how to do everything every uh, no one will give me a chance everyone's out to get me and something homer says later also i've heard uh people in my life say like i could do a lot of things if i had some money yes that's uh, <laughs> i laughing out loud at that quote uh oh why don't we hear a little bit of professor barney here i'm just saying that when we die there's gonna be a planet for the french a planet for the chinese and we'll all be a lot happier mr gumbo you're upsetting me no i'm not gee is that what I look like when I'm drunk? You wish. That's the stage we call Professor Barney. Talkative, coherent, even insightful. Here's drunk. Well, I'm off to market. Marge, you're making a complete fool of your... Oh, with just Barney. It's also strikingly similar to the David Hasselhoff video that his daughter made of him oh, eating yeah. a burger on the floor. This, uh, which I think did push him to sobriety. I believe. I think so. It's funny that whenever someone has to dress up as Marge, there's always a blue wig in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do they have so many? I mean, we've uh, we've established it before Homer got those free blue wigs. Yeah, yeah. free wig with purchase of large wig. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. That I mean, the professorial position of somebody who's drunk like that. That is one of the more frustrating uh, type of person to be around when they're drunk. Yeah, because... especially if you're just like, uh, I'm here to like hang out and have some drinks, not be lectured. Right? Yeah, it's at least some alcoholics might be at least like chummier to you and they're the life of the party. But the one who is just so like smugly full of themselves that like, all right, time to tell you how it is to everybody. Here's what you're doing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I had that. We, we played a underground film festival in Sydney, Australia a couple of years ago. And a filmmaker afterwards at the after party clearly had a few and started telling me about how 9-11 was an inside job and it didn't really happen the way you think it did. And I was like, I was in New York then. I saw the second tower come down. Don't tell. You know, I was like in wow. this argument at a supposed to be a fun you know like and the conspiracy theories came as soon as like three uh, drinks in had to get away 
Oh boy, boy, yeah, that's uh, the, these. Uh, we didn't know when we were watching this young. Like my friends, uh, when I was eighteen, I didn't even have any that heavy or seventeen. I didn't have any heavy drinking friends at all. Like I, I am lame in that I didn't <laughs> even have my first drink until I was like, I believe I was three months away from turning twenty-one, and my friends were like, "You should really at least drink before you're twenty-one once, so you can say you didn't wait until the day you were twenty-one." Like uh, I didn't really start drinking until i was 21 i had some drinks before that but it was such part of being like social in the rust belt area where there's no hope like yeah most people's dads were drunks like mm. just incredible drunks violent <laughs> raging drunks i had a friend it's like where did where is this kid's dad he's just in this closed room drinking all the time uh not good not yeah. good so yeah like i would eventually like a lot of people in their 20s just like well here's the one day of the week I'm going to be catastrophically hungover. It's always Sunday. So no plans on Sunday. And then you realize like, <laughs> that's kind of fucked up. I yeah. should, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't like arrange my week about around when drinking will disable me. <laughs> I mean, but this is a problem though with exaggerate. Once you come into these jokes about like Barney feeling bad about himself, you start thinking, should I feel bad that he like, that I laughed at when he drank paint thinner, you know, or, or wakes up as in, as a member of a sailor crew or whatever like is is it funny is it not funny now because it's about a joke about blacking out or uh being a uh embarrassing drunk but they they never gave having barney reveal like a mildly uh xenophobic let's say tendencies through that that's extra dark too like that that's an unlikable they didn't want barney to say something funny they wanted barney to say something that makes you very uncomfortable to with his observation say to a child too yes yeah having having lisa be the one to react to it too that that also is like no it's not funny it's not this isn't supposed to be funny you're supposed to feel bad yeah and i i still don't know how to feel about that i mean on one hand i should be able to adapt and like okay now i'm now i'm treated to a character and have to look at him in a different way and it's forcing me to do that and think about whether i laughed at you know him smoking a cigar with the cellophane still on and and hallucinating <laughs> and you know like but I, <laughs> I some part of me just wants him to be that guy who does funny one-off you know jokes about him being drunk um uh, so i i still am a little bit c conflicted about this episode yeah he's kind of like grandpa simpson in that he will just be written into a scene to give it a punchline, yeah, yeah or to sweeten it a little bit and if then they did a it, it it would be comparable to just doing a regular episode of like no grandpa actually is senile and we need to deal with like <laughs> yeah. real senility it's like well that's a bummer like it's it's not well and also that they follow it up with barney going is this how you guys see me and everyone just points and laughs at him and it's like you're it's telling you like you laughed at him too you're just as bad as his shitty friends who yeah. who laugh and um enjoy that he is i mean this also shows that like barney has to fully extricate himself from this lifestyle like he can't he actually shouldn't still be friends with homer after this or any of the other guys if you if you want to look at this as a realistic situation uh but yes everybody's having a good laugh at barney oh i'm a disgrace it's gracefully hilarious <laughs> you passed out before we could even give you your presents i still got mine Buddy, I got you what no drunk could do without. Morning after stationary. <laughs> <laughs> and I got your helicopter flying lessons. Can you imagine this booze bag at the wheel of a whirly bird? <laughs> He'd be all, look at me. I'm a tanked up loser in a helicopter. <laughs> 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 ah, anyway.
way. Happy B-Day, Pumpkin. <laughs> That's just so mean. And yeah. I, yeah. Is all this helicopter joke stuff, uh, helicopter lesson stuff, just like the joke is that uh, you would not just get lessons. You would have to like go to flight school. It's like helicopters yeah. we've learned in recent years, very dangerous things. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I guess I, I, I think it's at least a novel thing to think up of like, what would force Barney to be sober? Like what, like they could have given him scuba diving lessons and they'd be, and it would probably work the same, but well, except it wouldn't, they'd have to, it'd have to lead to a heroic thing at the end. That's different if it was scuba diving lessons, but I, I don't know how easy it is to take helicopter lessons. I, I have heard uh, stories of like, oh yeah, you can just pay to be a co-pilot or whatever, like with an actual flyer. But uh, I, I mean, Barney, I think in this episode gets to fly a helicopter much faster than most people get. It's to. true. Yeah. It could have been, you know, just like the joke could have been like, here's some heart surgery lessons, you know, just like, what's the worst <laughs> thing that you could give to a drunk, but helicopter leads to a more filmable uh, conclusion, I guess. And uh, then Barney comes to a realization in this next clip. Hey, hey, where you going? I'll show you. I'm going to take these helicopter lessons. Wait a minute, Barney. You got to be sober to fly. I mean, it's not like driving a car. <laughs> then I'm going to quit drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it. <laughs> you won't see me here again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that ain't funny. He's my best customer. Well, the handwriting's on the wall. To stay afloat, this bar's gonna have to go queer. You mean it's not? Oh, wrong again, gay guy to Springfield. I, I forgot that it's had that gay joke. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, we know there's a lesbian bar in Springfield. That's true, yeah. It needs to... Well, and how can Mo even uh, compete with the anvil, though? I wonder, oh, which, yeah, yeah. That comes back in this episode, actually. It's true, the return of Roscoe. Yeah, but... Uh, but I had also, uh, Dan plays a lot of gay characters I had forgotten. I didn't, you, uh, I guess it's old when this episode comes out, but Bob, you just shared a really good video uh, about Married with Children that uh, oh, reminded yeah. me of Dan Castellaneta's appearance on that he show. He plays a, a gay man yeah. who uh, Peggy is cheating on uh, his husband. Yeah, with his uh, Tracy Ullman uh, fictional husband, Sam, Sam McMurray. McMurray. Yeah. yeah. That's I maybe too the stuff about him having writing with his wife. Maybe that was a surprise to some people who had seen Dan play gay so many times, <laughs> like and earnestly too, not like as just a well, this was him playing a very extreme yeah. stereotype, but in that episode of Married with Children, there's no like affectation or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's supposed to be a regular guy that I was like, Wait, you're a gay and a regular human? <laughs> I remember the Tracy Ullman sketches. I don't remember the appearance on uh Married with Children, but I think that Tracy Ullman was one of the first times I saw like gay characters on TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the first for me too. And the the joke about them is is that they just have regular married couple arguments between them like that. That it isn't really jokes about aren't gay people weird. They're, it's more about the normalcy of their situation. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I also think Homer, Homer's saying it's not like driving a car, which again, it's like these are cries for help from Homer. Yeah. Uh, but if I may complain about continuity here, when Mo says Barney's his best customer, I don't feel that the history of the show supports that. I, I thought it's more often that Barney is like a, a loser with no money who has to like get other people to buy him liquor, like the, for example, the Mary Poppins parody. It's him in the gutter begging mm. for money to get more alcohol. I will bring up the the fact that that is a song sung by Sherry Bobbins. Oh, okay. So she's creating All a right. scenario about the booze hound. Mm. 
that, and they that always wasn't... lie to you through song. Exactly. I hate that. I exactly. Hate that. Sherry Bombs is no better than a poo. <laughs> uh, well, all right then. I guess. I mean, there's no other. Barney must pay him actually a bunch of money now. I take that back because in 22 short films about Springfield. There's the joke that Mo says he has calculated Barney's bar tab oh, yeah. at NASA, but it is to such an extreme amount that it's not actually real. It tricks Barney to handing him $2,000, and Mo's like, oh, yeah, I'll take that, showing that it was a scam. So actually, Barney does give him lots of money. We just so. don't know where the money comes from. Yeah. Well, hey, he's got all those ears on his back for a reason. <laughs> it's all that medical testing. You're yeah. right. <laughs> Uh, but okay, I take it back. Barney could be his best customer. Uh, comes back from commercial break and Barney's already cleaned up his act. He's tucked in his shirt. He has somewhat cleaned up his filthy apartment, combed back his hair. Uh, he still has the quivery lip and teeth sticking out. So not everything's better, but, uh, and I, I really like the drawing of him looking through those empty bottles there. I think these moments feel like Neil Affleck, the director getting through his own experience of getting sober into the character of Barney, especially his looking through like just tossing out all these bottles. And we haven't seen his apartment that often in the show and it's moved locations since then, but it's not yes. quite as messy as the last time we saw it. Like when we saw it in season one, it was just like a Where's Waldo picture. It was yeah. so cluttered and full of crap. And uh, But he'd never lived above Mo before this one either. But Great uh, joke though, great it, joke. It's, I love he says we. That's actually, that's extra funny to me. <laughs> realizes he can't do it he's already chosen for it and we him asking homer for help does it's a good gag of like homer is a terrible sober buddy you should never ask him for help you need you should get an actual sponsor not your his, drunk friend his first step is to tr tr truly enjoy a beer in front of barney and i think on the commentary uh deb lacusta she brings up this was partially inspired by a scene that stuck with her for its tragedy of that homer homer's the one who got barney his first beer yeah. and turned him into a drunk and in the uh, when he was going to go to harvard like barney was on track to be a harvard uh valedictorian even until he got drunk i want to bring up something from his house that i forgot about which is he takes off a, a framed picture from in front of duff that says thank you barney <laughs> and i feel like that's a great piece of merch like somebody needs to make that as a framed picture you could put in your house oh that is good yeah i'd want that that i would want i'd hang that right next to the bart holding up the word balloon to homer that says i smell that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly uh, it could be a pair uh but yeah the so homer decides he's gonna help barney and that's when they head over to aa which is instead triple a uh which yeah that's a joke I, it feels, like yeah our third mention of east st louis yeah so far. you're right it, we had just heard an east st louis reference again in missionary impossible which is all because they made fun of east st louis in they saved lisa's brain in season 10 which led to infuriating the city of east st louis so then they decided to mention it two more times which, yeah i don't know and at this point it seems like there's a bit of a racial context to it too you know it, mm -hmm. uh, it struck me as odd hearing it in this episode yeah i mean um uh then also that the the writer of that episode defended it of like it's a crack ridden slum was yeah. what he said in the news i'm like wow that's yeah yeah yep 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 problematic well and then we head over to aa and we meet many characters who oh, have yeah. had drinking problems in the past i'm glad they put in uh susin from yeah. scenes from the class struggle in springfield she definitely had a drinking problem 
and Kurt Van Houten had before that too. But I know there's one that you've been waiting to see this. Uh, the, like more of the quiet alcoholism of a certain character throughout the series is is here in this group. Uh, Mrs. Hibbert, she's oh, just sitting there. Oh, you like, know what? Uh, I didn't write that down. But yeah, that she, uh, Mrs. Uh, Bernice, I think. Right. Yeah. Bernice. Uh, she got a uh, an act break in the uh, the Homer versus the Eighteenth Amendment. That's like the act break is her passed out in the chair when they find out that it's prohibition is installed yeah i think i think that's the only she drinks too much joke in the show yeah. but yeah it's uh it was funny seeing her there i'm glad somebody remembered she has a drinking problem i don't i don't think kent has a drinking problem more than any other celebrity like honestly they, they it should have if i could replace one character in there i would replace kent with melvin van horn because mm. he got whacked out on wowie, wowie sauce, sauce. For a second, I thought the two big guys in there were Gyro and another guy from American Gladiator, but they're just there to beat up Gil. So I yeah. think they're just large men, they're, general large They're two guys. toughs. <laughs> Hired guns. I wonder if they, if those guys, once they gave up alcohol, their new addiction was bodybuilding, and that's why they're so huge. Uh, but yes, uh, Homer and Barney head to AA. Uh, welcome back, Homer. I see you finally hit rock bottom. Not a chance. I can sink way lower. I just came to help my friend Barney. We all know why we're here, don't we? To keep ourselves sober and to network. So let's get started. <laughs> well, after I lost my third job in two days, old Gil was in a pit of despair. And that's when you realized you were an alcoholic. Oh, no, I never touched the stuff. But you don't have to be drunk to know the value of Amway. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is used crankcase oil, which you ladies know is murder to clean up, you know. And company's coming. Ah, oh, you're doing this at the worst possible time. Ah, oh, your finger's in my eye. That's a good, I, I like that fingers, your finger's in my eye. That's a good random thing for, for Dan to add in there. I, I still don't really know what Amway does other than being very rich. So. Uh, Amway is a big, giant, uh, multi-level marketing scam in which you sell your friends things they can buy in stores, but for more money. Okay. I how I, I did look that up, and like they still haven't been found like it proven in a court of law to be a scam. Like they're still, and also they they gave us Betsy DeVos, like she's. Oh, I figured like one of the Trump people was an Amway person because oh, you yeah. got you like your my pillow weirdos yes. and uh, yeah. every kind of scam people are running. I figured an Amway person would be there. Oh, yeah. I had, I think, an uncle who got into it uh, at one point and was, like, trying to sell our family, like, detergent and things. And, you know, they might make a fine product. I think that's how they get away with it. Like, their products are, are fine. But, like, then it, the, it's never about buying the products. It's about getting you to sell for them, you know, which is like any pyramid scheme does. And so eventually I think my parents were like, hey, we love you. Just don't bother us with this stuff anymore. <laughs> I, I somehow I the Wikipedia said in 2018 they made 8.8 .8 billion dollars like that's that's how big wow. Amway is I think they own they own some stadium I look I'm not a sports guy but they own some some places called the Amway Center I know that I also love that Gil's not even there he's just there to sell stuff he <laughs> never drinks and uh, and they also they make they they say it's based on real life of like you go if you go to AA or Narconon at in Hollywood you do some people do just network there. oh it's, it's like... a parade of stars <laughs> even though it's supposed to be anonymous but i guess if you're you know a movie star and you're there how anonymous can you be i have so many friends who are aa guys now i think maybe it's just my age where people <laughs> went through their phase and but i'm not a drinker no one in my family drinks and uh so i've 
whenever I go to bars, it has to have something interesting to do in it. Like even if it's like one of those like mega game, like uh, erotic photo hunt or <laughs> yeah. darts or, you know, the game where you put the hook on the the ring on the hook or something like I hate there's that gotta game. Be- yeah, for, but if you're not drinking, you got to have something to do. I mean, what else are you going to do? Talk to people? So, <laughs> uh, but but so now I think that's why I have a lot of friends who are AA because you just, they bring over a lot of kombucha or iced coffee and we play board games and, uh, and stuff like that. So, um, AA people, good people. You know, mm. I think the last time I drank in a bar was watching your show at, at uh-huh. SF Sketchfest. Probably, <laughs> maybe the same for me. I, I mean, I'm at the point of quarantine six months in now just like i kind of miss going to a bar uh staring at my phone and hoping no one talks to me that's an experience <laughs> i i greatly miss phones have changed it yeah now you can do anything on your phone you know i think seeing the x-rated found footage fest stuff while uh, was like a version therapy for me now i can't i don't <laughs> want to drink uh, a screwdriver ever again <laughs> I just yeah, uh, you're gonna have a negative connotation with any alcohol now. When I taste when I taste vodka and orange juice in my mouth, I just think of like watching wound videos or live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you you can thank us later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then Homer, you know, makes a very corny joke about uh, taking twelve steps to a plate of cookies, which is at least funny that they like toss him out of the church, like yeah. beat him up. The smash <laughs> cut to him getting out of a bush <laughs> is uh, uh, very funny, and it shows that it's he's outside of the church so it is the classic like aa is done in a church basement kind of gag too though that sugar cookie specific uh i again i've never attended an aa meeting but the jokes i've heard in aa meetings is stale donuts not Mm. uh, sugar cookies or what was it in in i think it was donuts that they eat in fight club when uh ed norton's character goes to i think so yeah to it yeah that's what that's what i think probably all these aa jokes i was like well i watched fight club so that must be what aa is yeah i've seen it in so many shows that i just i always think of steve earl being the like the aa leader and then having one of those coffee machines with styrofoam coffee and cups and everybody takes a break and smokes like kind of chain smoke cigarettes after the meeting uh, but yes, it now comes to the B plot of the episode, which is Bart and Lisa hearing about a contest. <laughs> hurt everyone. Did Gaga just say hurt everyone? <laughs> Gaga, cute name. The Springfield phone book needs a new cover. It does? Send us your snapshots, <laughs> and if we select yours, you win a fabulous mystery prize. To enter, send your film to this address. Too quick? Try again. <laughs> Did you get it? Here it is. Coming in from the left. Don't delay, do it today! You think we should enter? Well, it shouldn't be too hard to beat the old photo. It's Mr. Burns on the cover, tending his fingers. Does that mean that he owned the phone company then with that? I wonder. Um, Yeah, I guess he he owns more than one utility. Mm. But yeah, this is these things are real and the people are still doing like your photo on the cover of the phone book things in twenty twenty. Wow. Like you take a picture of the town something in the town, you send it in and that becomes the picture of the phone on the phone book. Yeah. I, I don't think I've gotten a phone book. I had my old apartment that I lived in until twenty the end of 2017. I would still get the yearly phone book and I'd be like, oh, wow, still doing it, huh? But but these days, since I moved this place, if it gets phone books, it's I never see them. So, yeah, yeah. I haven't gotten one in years. And uh, when I got one, I thought of the Mitch Hedberg joke about getting a pamphlet. Like, here, you throw this away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, this whole uh, B-plot seems like something out of a Dennis the Menace episode. It's very quaint. You're like right. kids trying to get their photo on the cover of a phone book, which... I feel like even in 2000, people weren't really using phone books that much. 
Well, you're right. This exact this script as written would be in Dennis the Menace. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same. Uh, and that hurt that hurt everyone thing is is extra weird to me because like okay, let's not fully go into it because we already talked about it before. But Jerry Falwell Senior, not not the sexy junior Ooh. Jerry Falwell, <laughs> Jerry Falwell Senior in 1999 was saying that Teletubbies was making kids gay, including subliminal messages was one of the things he said about it, and so. So I wonder if, because the lip syncs way off on that hurt everyone thing, and it just, something doesn't feel right about it to me. I wonder if originally the character said like kiss boys or be gay or whatever, and then they changed it to hurt everyone. Mm. I, I don't know. It just doesn't, something feels off about that to me. It's a weird joke. It's also kind of a family guy joke. It's pretty low hanging fruit. Like what yeah. if the Teletubbies were naughty? Like yeah. just like they, and plus they just did they just did like two other Teletubbies jokes before yeah. this. Two or three. They had Homer say I'm Tinky Winky the Teletubby and I'm all man yeah. despite what you heard and then Homer runs away from Teletubby shooting lasers at him in Missionary Impossible three episodes earlier. Maybe two in one season is enough Teletubbies jokes. You're... Someone had a new kid and was pissed off Teletubbies. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It is a bit family guy-y which is uh, uh, the worst thing a Simpsons episode could be, I think. <laughs> I also like when you p- pause the address that it has a P.O. box, a room, and an attention you have to add to it, too. So there's so many ways you can get wrong the thing that's br- appearing on TV. Yeah, part of the contest is actually writing down the address in time. I think they must have been the only ones who got the address down, and that's why they end up winning in the end. And uh, they head over to the memories closet, which is much bigger than it was in the season nine episode, Lisa the Skeptic. I guess that we ever go fully into it in that episode? No, Homer just puts a thing, he puts it outside of it and then grabs the Billy beer. Uh, but this time it we fully walk into it and uh, there's honestly too many to know. But one of the ones I, I really noticed was the motorcycle is there oh. that was just from like four episodes ago. And it made me realize like, oh, yeah, Homer still has a motorcycle at the <laughs> end of that episode and it never comes yeah, back. He won that motorcycle. The deepest cut I could find was um, Bart's sombrero from Krusty Gets Busted. It doesn't say Mexico in that episode. It does in this one, though. But that's I think that's where it came from. Either that or it came from the 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 reel before the credits of uh camp crusty when they go to tijuana but in that case the sombrero is not this a straw color so yeah i you know man we were both playing find the sombrero thing <laughs> i remembered one other time bart wore a sombrero but it didn't say mexico on it and it wasn't frayed either and that was when patty and selma are showing off their slideshow from their trip to mexico oh that's crusty gets busted oh that okay yeah, my yeah. bad sorry <laughs> okay well i also like seeing spiffy cleaner there that was my favorite like deep cut that the uh, which they didn't even Homer doesn't buy in that episode, but I guess he bought it some other time. Hmm. And, uh, and as you if you don't remember, Spiffy was a cleaner that would uh, clean the headstone of Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, right. And uh, and also there's a cut from Nero's Palace, the uh, from Viva Ned Flanders, their Vegas trip episode. I that one I pulled up like, oh, that's the exact one i think for some of the more recent ones the animators are like just pull a prop out of the pack from a previous episode and draw it in there i noticed a, a pig in there that looked a lot like sir oinks a lot from homer goes to college mm. but it, so i i wondered if it might be uh stuffed like 
you know, it's not alive. <laughs> I couldn't place what that pig would be from. It's right next to like a lobster trap too, but that, but that's not where he kept Pinchy. So that that's kind <laughs> of out of nowhere. Yeah. Also, I don't know where they got a menorah from either, which I think is the joke. They, like, why they did stole Krusty's menorah? <laughs> <laughs> A joke they do twice in the episode is Bart forgets that they are doing a contest. Like he just, in this case, he starts dribbling the camera like a basketball. And then Lisa's like, Bart, the contest, like contest. It's a weird joke. The the bouncing camera. <laughs> uh, it's uh, very strange. It makes yeah. like Hanna-Barbera noises when it bounces. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I guess it should more make like a clonk sound or something there. Uh, and then Barney goes to take his tests and we see a brand new character who's te- going to teach him how to fly. But he's talking to Arnie Pie, the only like regular character who flies a helicopter in the series. No dialogue from him, oddly enough. You'd think that Dan Castellaneta would have wrote in another <laughs> line for a character he talks as. And maybe in his original script, he's like, and so Arnie Pye is teaching Barney how to fly. And then he just acts out the whole thing there. Uh, but yes, instead he gets, uh, Barney starts taking his lessons from a very calm guy. Elvis played a chopper pilot one time. <laughs> he made so many darn mistakes. <laughs> We were just laughing at him. Great singer, though. Oh, absolutely. You know who else I like is that uh, Leo Sayer. (laughs) Anyway, we're nice and level now. How'd you like to take the controls? You think I'm ready? Sure I do. One sec. Testing. Black box. One, two. Ah! Ah! (laughs) She's all yours, friend. I'm getting it. Yes, that's great. Now let's just pull ourselves out of this tailspin here. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry about that. It's okay. That's what the diapers are for. <laughs> Really good laugh on that. Uh, yeah, I, I, it just, it all, I like the realism of it. It's just like, oh, sorry about that. That's all you can say after you like uh, avoid your bowels in front of another person. And after Barney barely gets the thing functioning as intended, he's like, let's try the hardest thing ever. Yes, let's, yeah. let's, let's challenge you with that. I love this helicopter pilot so much. This character, just his, his matter of factness, his horrible taste in music, and you know, just like, oh, absolutely, just kind of. Always talks in that same register. I just, I, for some reason, it's a, it's kind of a nothing character, but uh, it's Hank, right? He does yeah, oh, yeah. Just really funny he's, and on on the nose. It's he, great. He's okay to die, and he's ready. Yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. I love how he's calm no matter what situation. And uh, did and did you look up what uh, movie they're talking about with Elvis there? Oh no, no. It it is a real movie, or at least he might have even been a helicopter pilot in more than one movie. But I believe they're referring to 1966 Paradise Hawaiian style. Oh, uh, I figured in, it'd be Hawaiian in some way. Uh, in which Elvis plays a helicopter pilot named get this rick richards mm. is the name of the pilot i uh, i'm not going to steal the joke from sharpling and worster on the best show they they have a whole run of jokes about how elvis character names are so weird that make <laughs> you go it's, just, it's it's like the arnold schwarzenegger names for characters of its day or you're you know this is elvis they should just name the character elvis but they're like rick richards that's that's a name yeah same with like how jackie chan whenever he plays a character not named jackie you're just asking yourself why aren't you just calling him jackie that's jackie chan up there <laughs> did you guys look up leo sayer at all uh you know not no what's his deal 70s late rock 
musician, and uh, you will probably recognize his hit was 77 hit When I Need You. It's it's pretty sickening, but uh, <laughs> I just like that the pilot liked him. That he, he likes that and Elvis. That, that does That is weird, yeah. Also, uh, you make me feel like dancing. Oh, And Homer right. and Barney sang that in the 70s. That's their favorite song, yeah. Oh, you know what? Then Barney must love hearing this guy's a Leo Sayer fan. <laughs> Uh, we have a quick cutaway to the kids trying to take a cute picture of uh, birds. And then there's a joke about McBain being fat, which he says he's doing for a fat secret agent thing. I think that's a reference to a fairly new movie, Copland, where Stallone famously gained like 50 pounds to be, get this, a fat cop. You're right. You are right. Thank you for bringing up the, I was like, was this about how the closest I could think of like every now and then you'll see a story of like Arnold Schwarzenegger is kind of husky at the beach, but you're totally right. It's all about Copland. Now, uh, you know, Stallone really thought he was going to get that Oscar for gaining the weight. He's like, all right, if I gain the weight and play a bad cop, I'll finally get that Oscar. Yeah, I did not get that reference at all in in this. I was just kind of like, I thought, is the joke that that wouldn't be a good movie, that there's a fat secret agent? <laughs> that, um, that too. I, I mean, I, th- I think he's just lying, but yeah. it was inspired by the idea of like a, a uh, Schwarzenegger style figure gaining weight for a role. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, and also, it's so ADR, so it was something else beforehand. The mouth movements are all wrong on Fat Secret Agent. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at pictures. He was so in shape in, like, 1996. Like, gaining 40 pounds, he just looks like uh, like slightly bigger in shape guy. It's, <laughs> I heard Paul F. Tompkins tell the same joke about where or is he made a similar observation when working with Matt Damon on a movie, uh, The Informant, where for the movie, Matt Damon gained a bunch of weight for him. Uh, but Paul F. Tompkins, at the end of the movie, finds out he's trying to start losing the weight and paul's like you you had to gain all that weight to look like a normal person like (laughs) me (laughs) yeah that copland thing it reminds me too that like stallone he couldn't get that oscar even for doing the whole cancer thing with rocky and in creed even then he couldn't get that oscar he probably i don't think he'll ever get it for acting i think he did get it for right and and for best picture he did get that but anyway then Homer and Barney are hanging out. Uh, uh, Barney uh, lands a helicopter on their front lawn to ask Homer to fly with him, which is uh, very crazy. And I forgot, too, that they have a quick little joke about Homer becoming the new Barney. Hey, Homer. Uh, no, 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 don't sit there. Take this seat right next to the tap. But that's Barney's seat. Are you trying to make me the new Barney? Hey, every bar needs a world-class drunk. Mm, someone who makes our alcoholism seem less raging. Well, forget it, guys. I am not Barney. <laughs> <laughs> See, Homer? It's not so bad. Now... Hey. <laughs> you danced for hours just because they told you to? If I didn't, I'd lose their respect. That's uh, that Homer so happily gets bullied by his friends yeah. or he just takes it. It's it's funny to me. I mean, sometimes at a point in your life, you need that kind of person around to keep your own habits in check. It's just like uh, we've all known that person where it's just like you're wondering, like, am I drinking too much? And then you go hang out with them and it's like 1030 and there's already like a half drunk beer in their hand. You're like, probably not. I think I'm OK. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it's a sign of a bad friend group uh, that you hope, like, this is something you grow out of. But definitely in, like, my 20s, I had, you know, well, uh, friends who would say, 
well, I'm not as bad as that guy, so I'm not so bad, or I'm not that. We all we all counted on each other to like cover for our own problems, <laughs> just to be like, well, I'm not bad as that guy. Yeah, you, you, it's nice to have one friend who's a cautionary tale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, well, that Homer so easily becomes the new Barney. I think they had these conversations in advance. And just <laughs> like, if we ever lose Barney, home, we all agree Homer is the next in line, right? Though those barflies should be the next, really. I think so. Yeah. Which they were at the party. They're in the party video. I, was, I, I forgot to mention that, that I was like, wow, Marge let the barflies into her house? I think one of them is named Larry. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the one who calls me Bill is the other one. <laughs> uh, and so Homer is then invited on a helicopter ride with Barney, uh, which then leads to, again, another like good observation of how it can feel like spending time cha- when someone changes their life and then they spend time with an old friend and who liked the old negative patterns that were broken from that life. And uh, I, it's a realistic tension between Barney and Homer here. Oh, you missed some big changes at Moe's. He hangs newspapers over the urinals now. You can read the sports page while you pee. Very la-dee-da. I've made some big changes, too. Can you believe I'm flying this helicopter? Power lines, power lines! Whoops, sorry. (laughs) When I think about all the time I wasted at Moe's... Wasted? What about our steering contest? And the way we always knew what football coaches should have done. (laughs) Remember the day we jumped that census guy and stole his clicker? Those are all priceless memories, Homer, but I don't want to do that stuff anymore. Oh, so you're better than me, is that it? I didn't say that. Take me home. Oh, don't be that way, Homer. I'll scream. Okay, okay. I gotta say, I've read more uh, newspapers while urinating in the past 20 years than while not urinating. <laughs> and in the in the wildly better country of Canada, I've been to several bars in which there was just like literally like an iPad screen in front of you at the wow. urinal. Man, I know, oh. I've never seen these yep. things. Well, we live in the bad country, so yeah, you gotta right, go up there man. to get that. <laughs> and healthcare. I don't know if women know about the sports pages if you go into a sports bar and they're just hanging there so you can read while you pee and it update on the scores. And I don't know if there's an equivalent like the inside of stalls for, for women on the inside of the door. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. They, I've more experienced like funny cartoons in front of the urinals, uh, though. Though maybe that's me self-selecting. You, you don't I... want to laugh. You're going to just be spraying everywhere. And <laughs> <laughs> Marmaduke gets into uh, another scrape. But it seems in the, in England, we were on tour there last year, actually, right before um, this pandemic happened. We were on tour in England, and uh, there's like one. They just have a lot of like peeing troughs in the men's room of disgusting bars there. But without fail, they advertise the food that the bar serves <laughs> above the urinal while you're in the most disgusting urinal huh. you've ever seen. Oh, man. I, I could go for some chips. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's always like some kind of pork product or some <laughs> some sort of like savory pie that you can order at the bar while you're peeing into a gross trough. Yeah. You know, maybe I, I guess, you know, the pipes all go to the same place anyway, but the troughs, if on the rare times I've seen them in America, I'm just like, ugh. ugh. I, I really intermingling with other pee. I just I, don't like. That. Ideally, I need the divider. Like a oh, urinal yes. is preferred, but divider, I'm in heaven. It's like I got my own little space. <laughs> 
uh yeah the, the these this is the pains of being a man <laughs> but uh i also i really love homer stanza like the way we always knew what football coaches should have done that's that's my favorite of his observations <laughs> though uh homer's i'll scream moment of like that that edges up to a type of joke i'm not the biggest yeah fan yeah of, so uh but it's uh that homer but again very realistic that like if you're still drinking and you're trying to stay friends with somebody who got sober, you are living very different lives now and you're just going to find uh, problems with getting back into your old pattern. Yeah, and not even with drinking, you can be in either role. Like either your life is going bad and you're kind of resentful, your friends are doing better or you're doing well and you kind of have to tiptoe around that yeah, if you're around yeah. someone who isn't doing so well. and But you want to talk about like the things you're doing, but you're just like, oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah the, it, uh, the these are the pains of aging into long-term relations or long-term friendships with people yeah but the uh i mean also too if you i i know from experience if you're somebody who's like eh, i don't want to drink at a party or you just turn down a drink everybody treats you as like a monster <laughs> you're just like what well, why why don't you like i know how a vegetarian feels at things oh yeah when yeah. you do that uh so homer runs home and i do like that the commercial break joke is that marge walks away from homer just sobbing yeah it's good she know rarely do they get to make jokes about marge being insensitive i like that joke but it comes back from commercial break marge is reading meddling today in bed <laughs> which um it's a it's a good it's a good joke i wish she was reading sponge and vacuum i i mm. like meddling today comes with too much negative energy to it the 2000 sponge issue is out <laughs> I think the unspoken thing in Homer's anger is that I think Homer saying, oh, so you think you're better than me is the closest they come to acknowledging it. But uh, Homer, I think, is mad that Bernie's sobriety makes Homer feel like a drunk, which uh, but I, I know if they approach that more then it's like, OK, what do you do about Homer if you establish that he does have a drinking problem, too? Uh, then Marge has a great sad line of saying she hasn't had a friend in years. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then also she considers Homer her friend and then marge reveals he does not consider her a friend yes that's uh, especially cruel and uh homer then also saying like he he hates lenny and carl but then doesn't want them to know <laughs> that also works well of like well yeah you should hate them they're torturing you for being the new drunk in the bar and uh, I think for some younger people, the joke about OJ and AC seems like a non sequitur about orange juice and uh, air, air conditioning. conditioning. Yes. Uh, the, the Falcon and the Snowman joke was lost on me until now when I actually looked it up. I had to look that up too. Yeah, yeah. It was a movie from 85 about two Americans that sold like uh, government secrets to the Soviet Union based mm -hmm. on a true story. And uh, yeah. uh, I, no one remembers it, but Roger Ebert gave it four stars. So okay. there you go. It starts Sean Penn. You know, it's probably worth watching. I bet it's all right. Yeah, I remember the title and nothing else. <laughs> and I mean, though, honestly, I had to look up. I knew OJ was referring to Orenthal James Simpson, but I forgot that AC is Al Cowling. Oh, man. Yeah. He was like, uh, he was the driver, my man. Yes. Yeah. That's, well, that's all we know him. We know him from yeah. for the Bronco chase, even though like. He drove the hell out of that Bronco. <laughs> before that, he played football with OJ Simpson for 20 years. Like they mm. were on the same high school team together that's how long of a friendship they had uh a oj and ac but yeah now now everybody just knows them for the bronco chase pro follow on twitter oj simpson hilarious oh funny guy uh, i'm sure he's got so Ooh. much to say now <laughs> i'm gonna get a cameo for him uh advertising talking simpsons oh god no <laughs> it's from a one, one from simpson to another <laughs> i love this this, this podcast is a killer not like me <laughs> oh god oh god uh but 
Then it cuts back to Bart and Lisa. They have posed a bunch of dogs playing poker together. I think it takes a little long, but it is a funny visual gag. The bulldog forgot to ante. Made me laugh. Though Nelson should have won with his stolen photo, you know? Or, uh, I mean, Bart and Lisa shouldn't give up. They should be like, let's see if we can submit ours first and prove we're first in this, you know? Don't give up there. Uh, well, meanwhile, Bart just wants to dump spaghetti on Maggie's head, which that's, uh, it's funny. It's the funnier of the two, Bart forgets there's a contest. Yeah, I like that. Then it cuts to Homer shopping in the Quickie Mart, and we get a joke about Alestra potato chips. Ever, anybody remember these? Yes. Uh, like, I think it was like like a sort of a, a, a fat substitute kind of thing mm-hmm. but the, i think what happened was and i have like some research on this is that it was not actually making people sick it was the fact that people thought they could eat more because there was less fat and those habits were making them shit themselves oh really yes okay man I yeah th- i remember a, a, there was a brand called wow or i think it yes, was like wow. La- lays wow doritos wow and uh yeah the i, I remember the phrase anal leakage coming out and as soon as people heard that i think that was the end of olestra yeah they needed a warning label on their chips until 2003 and after that the fda did a study and was like you don't need a warning label anymore and i can read you like a little quote about oh, this boy. um the fda cited a six-week study of more than 3,000 people showing that the olestra eating group experienced only a small increase in bowel movement frequency compared to the control group and they concluded that subjects eating olestra containing chips were no more likely to report having had loose stools abdominal cramps or any other gi symptom compared to subjects eating an equivalent amount of regular potato chips wow so, so it was it, it was just that they were eating too many potato chips in general and yeah. it was fucking up their guts They're just like well I'm, I'm losing by not eating all these chips so uh <laughs> yeah i guess uh nick you're right once you can just say once the anal leakage stuff hits the news headlines whether it's true or not you're done for as a potato chip it did make your stools fattier i will say but uh i don't know if that really matters <laughs> i i feel like i had some i ate a i only ate a couple bags of these uh regularly and, and when they were around until the news started coming out and in my memory i feel like i had some bad toilet experiences but i it honestly could have just been fully psychosomatic or i mean also i was a 17 year old kid who ate any garbage yeah. in his face so i don't it, it probably was unfair to blame the olester potato chips and now it's baked lays that are the big deal mm. anyway they've they fully they've uh, replaced those as the fat low fat chips Ooh, I could go for a bag of those. Those are my airport staple. Bag of baked lays. They they're not healthy, but they make you think they are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what I'm looking for. Uh also uh 13 months after this is when Futurama would would do their Olestra joke. Oh, what was that? They're walking by a dump and they're digging up old yeah. stuff. Uh Fry says, "Hey, a bag of Olestra potato chips." Bender eats one and literally shits a brick. Uh, and uh, yeah, but Homer wants his to do spring cleaning which <laughs> Um, uh, just get a get one of your favorite pina colonics Homer <laughs> uh, so Homer and Barney then run into each other Homer's buying beer and he's feeling defensive about buying it when he runs into Barney uh, and then he's leaving without paying and Apu really should not let Homer back into the store after he steals that he he sent Marge to prison for doing less <laughs> it's true well Homer's uh, finally his wish is coming true to rob the quickie mart <laughs> without a gun <laughs> uh, I mean Homer walking out with tw- uh, with two six packs does seem like a lot of beer for one evening for just Homer since March clearly doesn't drink anything. Uh, but yes, Bart and Lisa, meanwhile, are going exploring, taking photographs and starting fires. Boy, you can see everything from Mount Springfield, the Squidport, the old monorail, the Play-Doh factory. 
Crescent Moon! Crescent Moon! Come on, Springfield. Sparkle for me, baby. That's it. Heads up! Ow! Barge, that's hot. I said heads up. It's good big brother talk of, I said heads up. Yeah, and uh, this episode is 2-2020. We've got helicopter crashes and forest fires uh, happening here oh God. in uh, this episode. But yeah, Bart should be punished. Mm, yeah, they started a fire. Like, I w- you would think at least responsible Lisa would be like, don't litter, Bart. But I guess she's still just in pain from getting like a, a flash bulb in her head. I mean, at least it's a clever old timey way to start a fire of like the, they, they use an old camera that where the flash is a bulb you have to replace every single time in like what 1940s style like it's a it's a very <laughs> ancient camera and the uh also the the shot of the whole city i really like that like i think the squid port she mentioned that's the boardwalk from uh the lisa babysitter episode yeah and uh, and and just hearing them wink back at the monorail i feel like this is their first reference looking backwards at the monorail since then i think hmm. not counting monorail appearing as a in a clip show i think this is i think you're right uh and what it was like uh last year the year before in an episode they in a new episode they revitalized the monorail as like a new downtown area and they even had a a statue in tribute to leonard nimoy which that was the weirdest part it's like oh so everyone's the same age but you recognize that leonard nimoy has (laughs) died since the last time only only celebrities age in the simpsons universe (laughs) uh and the play-doh factory joke's okay but i like that all the gay steel mill steel mill guys are there and it's the same buzzer from the steel mill as well yes yeah you're right yeah that sort of saved the joke for me because again it was feeling a little family guy with the non sequitur there Mm -hmm. but uh, that sort of breaks reality but then when you saw the steel mill guys that that sort of made it yeah actually that play-doh factory joke would be exactly the same in family Mm -hmm. guy like unchanged yeah Uh, i I guess it's also poetic justice that bart and lisa almost die in a fire they started i suppose but but yeah the the casual nature with which they treat forest fires in here does uh strike me as somebody living in california now where uh fires are very serious and happen every year at least and ruin everything uh, but uh, in here, they kind of treat it as like, oh, it's a thing that threatens two kids. And once it's over, once just, they're out, they're fine. It just stays on that mountain. It's fine. <laughs> yes, we come back to the bar. And uh, as Homer is trying his best to befriend his bullies, uh, Barney returns. Lenny, Carl, I know a lot of people badmouth you and focus on how you suck. <laughs> but not me. To me, you're true blue. Oh, thanks, big guy. Now dance, Rummy. Okay. <laughs> I am all. Well, if it isn't Little Miss, I'm not wasting my life anymore. Which he is. <laughs> oh, I've come here to make amends for my disgraceful behavior over the last 20 years. No, that's okay, Bond. No, it's not okay. I broke bar stools, befouled your broom closet, and made sweet love to your pool table, which I then befouled. Well, that would explain the (laughs) drop-off in play. This is a Channel 6 news bulletin. Fire has broken out on Mount Springfield, trapping two youngsters and their camera. Oh, no. (laughs) That's Bart and Lisa. Unfortunately, fire trucks are unavailable to fight the blaze as they're all being used to film the new Burt Reynolds movie, Fireball and Mudflap. I caught up with Bert on the set. 
I at least like the transition that Kent's talking about a natural disaster and then goes like, I caught up with him on the set. It's got a nice segue. And I guess uh, Dan and Deb wrote Burt Reynolds into the original script. He was going to be uh, like at AA to research for a role. So maybe they thought in 92 or whatever they could get Burt Reynolds. Obviously, this is Hank Azaria. And I like how Fireball and Mudflap aren't two characters. <laughs> That's It's great. his full yeah. name. That's right. I play Fireball Mudflap. <laughs> you can see a bit of the poster too behind him in the... Uh... Uh, press junket thing that Brockman is at. It's uh, it implies that Burt Reynolds in his you know a career resurgence post Boogie Nights is like you know what I'm gonna make another of the 70s style films I got to make uh, but in the year 2000. Uh, but the that befouling of the pool table that I I like that because it okay so he just says he befouled the broom closet meaning he I guess defecated in it but when he says he he makes sure to say that he, he can make sweet love to a pool table and then be foul it. The making sweet love is not befouling the table, uh, so which also makes it sound like he rubbed his genitals on it and then oh, defecated. I on think it. he ejaculated. Okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. So the befouling is the ejaculation. In one of the several holes. Yeah. Okay. Not not to get too crude here, but uh, <laughs> just to paint a picture for everybody at home. It's a it's a hard. No, let's let's picture. dig into this. Let's figure. <laughs> I I I saw it the same way you did, Henry. Where he he ejaculated and then defecated uh, in one of the pockets but who knows that'll be one of those mysteries you'll have to if you ever get dan on the show that yeah. explains the drop off in play <laughs> uh that's the first question we asked dan castellaneta how was it befouled and <laughs> uh but uh, but it's also it's a good it is a good uh a story excuse to get barney back into the bar so him and homer would be forced together in a in a crisis like having having barney do the 12 step apology thing i you know i don't think i've ever gotten a 12-step apology to from somebody because i don't i'm owed several <laughs> i i think of my friends who went into aa from uh my early 20s i moved away before they all did that so i, I missed out on it i was out of town they they honestly should have used myspace in 2005 mm. to do the apology <laughs> then i'm owed one there's I probably some say. sort of e-card for that right 12-step <laughs> e-card uh so yes homer and barney they're gonna go save the kids because there's no firefighters to do it and uh homer uh, homer saying like will you accept the charges it's a little too earnest to me i feel like there's like one extra joke missing there you know of just him picking up a phone and saying will you accept the charges uh but yeah then well though then i also sorry, i think the joke is that it's calling collect i see all right yeah okay yeah it kind of fell flat for me too but yeah, I know what you're saying. It felt like there should be a button on top of that button. At least do a 1-800-COLLECT reference. It's it's the year 2000. Just go for What's it. What's Chris Rock doing? <laughs> uh, I only trust David Arquette. If he tells me to use a number, I'm doing that one. <laughs> Somehow Barney gets the chopper without the instructor and is just flying alone, which I don't... I, did he steal that helicopter? Does Barney somehow own a helicopter now? Well, that's like, how successful he is now. Just <laughs> just comb your hair and tuck in your shirt, people. It can happen to you. There seems to... Uh, this makes some sense if you imagine that Barney is like independently wealthy somehow or like he's, he's a trust fund kid or something because otherwise he never has a job or anything. Uh, but yeah, so they fly off uh, by... Barney is too nervous to do the flying and he's you know the stress is making him tempted again and Homer does a really heroic thing for his good buddy beer that's what I need Barney no don't yes I need it 
No! You've got to be sober for this. Give me that! Yeah, it's warm. <laughs> you can't drink them all! Oh, yes, I can. I'll get you! Give me that! <laughs> I won't let you give up now. When you've worked so hard to be the greatest <laughs> pal in the world, I love you. Let's not lose touch after graduation. You brave man. You took six silver bullets for me. Stay away from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's up to me. Homer becomes like every kind of drunk in this scene, too. Yeah. The, you know, we've seen a lot of good drunk voice acting by Castellaneta, but he does a really good job here, too, with a lot of good, funny, uh, drunken non sequiturs to say. And uh, that silver bullets thing, that's about how uh, apparently it's that Coors in 1959 was the first American company to use aluminum cans, mm. which made their can silver, which was different from everybody else at the time. Cardboard. And <laughs> <laughs> Didn't last uh, long on the shelves. And so, so that that's why they specifically got called silver bullets. But even uh, in 2000, I think calling alcohol silver bullets was uh, was an old reference. I think this. Is, I mean, I didn't know. I never heard a friend refer to uh, them as silver bullets. Just cores so. in general. Yeah, just we're all very brand focused yeah. in America. You just call something by. I only name. drink craft IPAs with ridiculous names, so <laughs> I um, will not go near a silver bullet. I'm sorry. I do remember though they had a. They had hats, Coors hats, like the mesh trucker style caps uh, back in the day that had werewolf ears on them because oh. of the whole silver bullet branding. Wow. So it apparently took off enough to have merch at oh. one point. Those are cool. I want, man, I want this trucker hat with it, werewolf It feels ears. weird, though. It's like I'm going to take a bullet to my mouth. <laughs> Delicious. Oh, now I'm banned from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> You know who I think should drink uh, Coors? No. The president. <laughs> He'd love it. He'd love it. He needs a silver <laughs> bullet right now. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, uh, why well, I, I do think it's so. This is the turn in the episode that I think in a darker episode or another another episode of Simpsons or in South Park even at the time, I think they would have just done the joke of you know what? Sometimes you do need beer to level out yourself, or like actually the beer made him better at it. They they do some sort of joke against expectations there. That's also like kind of like we're being naughty, saying it's good to drink, but. But I, I kind of like instead they went with the emotional thing of like, you know what? Homer is just a good friend who won't let his friend relapse when he's having a moment of, of problems. Like I, I like that. It's, it's, it's sweet. That, and the sweetness is balanced out by Homer doing a bunch of great, funny, drunk lines. It's also an opportunity to drink for free. Yeah, that's true. It's he's This is the second time this episode he's stolen Duff. Like. <laughs> it's a good, yeah, I like the resolution to it. I'm always a little bit, whenever The Simpsons becomes kind of an action show, like I'm thinking about the runaway train with the baboons and all. I just, <laughs> I don't know that it does it that well because you have to be so heavy, heavy on plot then that you can't have the funniest parts of The Simpsons you know which are times where there's funny asides or character moments and things like that so it del it, it i think it sways a little bit too much into the action set piece resolution for for my taste mm. but it's still getting home homer having to heroically get drunk is a good way to end it <laughs> 
I, I guess the monorail episode handled that action joke balance a bit better. Yeah. But I, I, I do like, there's, there's some fun animation of like, as they approach the fire rising up and like the, uh, Bart and Lisa, uh, climbing and Bart saying like, I'm pretty sure fire can't climb trees. <laughs> uh and then a very like random joke yeah. of the bear climbing the ladder yeah which i that feels like a network note of, note of show the bear land safely and does not fall into fire and burn to death or just like break its spine on the ground and yeah. die <laughs> i was singing the exact same thing yeah network note on that one uh, it's just like earlier this season where that goat killed all the tobacco executives but they had to show that the goat lives <laughs> in that uh in that other helicopter Helico- crash this, this season is just a helicopter crash crash season <laughs> wait a minute uh well you know it's something after playing all those video games that have helicopter crashes in them it's just like i i just noticed them too much and stuff it's just an easy thing of like i i remember seeing the movie suicide squad in theaters and every helicopter in that movie crashes there's four helicopters and they all explode because they just never they, they're just not safe they're supposed to look safe and then they blow up what is your experience with helicopters of either have you been up in one no never I I, honestly too scared <laughs> yeah at this point no not gonna happen <laughs> me too i was gonna do it at the grand canyon but it's surprisingly expensive and yeah it just it, it just seems way too scary to me i have had those i've had uh, the temptation moments like that of walking walking down the strip in las vegas the few times i've been there and seeing the like grand canyon tour thing and you you consider it for just a second but yeah i mean you know after the you know tragic passing of uh say kobe bryant and the other people who were in that helicopter it was just further reminder of the dangerousness of it plus you can't even have a conversation in there unless you have like a headset on it's all too loud i don't i don't need that noise i'd rather ride a donkey through uh the grand uh, now we're I talking think. i feel like yeah. that would hurt my legs a lot though i don't know maybe maybe i'm against that as well i think uh but hey when will we ever go to las vegas again at this point uh, I, never I, no <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so there is some it's at least some well done animation on the action of homer uh in a very like cartoony drunk way falling out of the helicopter and spinning around it and hanging by his leg uh he saves bart and lisa and i i think bart and lisa are very relaxed for being held by like one hand by a drunken upside down guy yeah yeah they should be more like please stop moving dad you don't no uh but yes bart and lisa are saved and homer uh this is my favorite line of the episode here too of homer <laughs> you did it dad you can't prove i did it no you saved our lives I could do a lot of things if I had some money. What? (laughs) Now there's a picture. Kids! The new phone books are here, and your picture's on the cover! Oh, wow! Cool! Let me see! (laughs) Isn't that adorable? I guess some baby pictures were on that old roll of film. Oh, we'll be the laughing stock of the whole town. Well, at least we won the bike. Actually, I took the picture, so I gave my prize to the orphanage. What? How could you? Just kidding. I would never do that. (laughs) (gasps) Apparently that just kidding line was added by Julie at the table read. And they thought it was so funny that they'd kept it in the episode. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) That is a good ad lib. 
I I mean I also love that I loved in the commercial that you knew it was a bike the second they showed the mystery prize. Uh, I gotta think Bart and Lisa destroy. They just can't share that bike, and it only causes them more problems. But I mean, first off, why would the phone book want to have a picture of a of a forest fire on their cover? That seems like a bummer. Who'd want to see that? Uh, but I, but I now we're looking at children on the toilet. Come yes, on, yes, yeah, that's uh, was just cute then. Uh, but I I do like you know Marge is actually right. She says your pictures on the cover, and it is a picture of them on the cover. It's it's a fun wordplay. Also, you notice that the the phone book mail was delivered by the woman that Mo was photographing earlier oh, in the episode. Oh, you're right! <laughs> Holy oh, crap! Nice detail. I like that. It Didn't all notice it. it all pays off. Uh, that uh, and uh, also when Bart and Lisa scream in reaction, it's a classic like big mouth, wavy lip kind of scream. You don't see is I I miss those old screams. I uh, thumbs up to Neil Affleck and his team for keeping those classic style screams in there. Uh, but yes, we come to the happy ending for. Uh, for Barney as he has not relapsed but is the cure worse than the disease <laughs> well I'm glad we're friends again yeah so what do you call this stuff a double tall mocha latte it's not bad well it ain't beer well at least I got that monkey off my back <laughs> Nobody gets away from Mo. Nobody. <laughs> you know, just a few years ago, Mo did say that ice blended mocha drinks were in. Oh, that's right. And he's yeah. ready. <laughs> but I'm just concerned about all the cal- empty calories Barney is consuming, perhaps more than even beer with all those double mocha lattes. That's right. You're Black right, coffee's yeah. where it's at. <laughs> It, this uh, feels very 1999, a uh, mocha frappuccino you... latte. <laughs> uh, though apparently it was slightly inspired by Dave Merkin, writer on the show, himself giving up alcohol and then being addicted to caffeine instead as as a replacement. It's for a it. healthy addiction, I tell you. <laughs> Keeps you on edge, ready for things. Yeah, short temper, <laughs> high blood pressure. <laughs> I, I just need a reason to get out of bed in the morning, and my addiction is what it is. It's mm. like that first drop of coffee makes me know I'm alive. Yeah, it's funny how addictions can they transfer over, and yeah, coffee's probably a little healthier. Or I know a lot of former addicts who are now not only like running marathons, but like super marathons and Ironmans, and it's like. In, in a way, that's more annoying than alcoholism to me. Oh, that's uh, irritating. It's just, yeah, it's just irritating. I get it. You're healthy, but you're still addicted to something and quit rubbing my nose in it. I feel like as soon as I entered my 30s, all these people around me were like entering triathlons and stuff. Like, listen, we're going to die. You can't stop it. It's a hell of a toboggan uh, ride. Uh, you know, I I live a pretty caffeine-free life myself. I don't, it, I, uh, it's the healthiest thing about me. I have improved my diet a little bit in the last few months, but just i don't like the taste of coffee and Mm. then i uh but i also don't like drinking the milkshake versions of it either Mm. so it just uh and yeah i just i wake up in the morning i'm like hey it's the morning all right like yeah i don't understand you people (laughs) 
I know. See, I'm not. I never acquired the coffee taster. But let me ask you this, Bob. Did, how did you get into coffee? Was it through the sugarier drinks, and then you transitioned to black coffee? You know what? It was actually just starting with black coffee because I was on a. Uh, I was going to uh, college in Northeast Ohio, and it was like freezing. Like it's just so cold in the winter, and the campus is huge, and you're outside for like 20 minutes walking between classes, and like in every building is this uh, little kiosk selling you hot liquid, and that is how I got a taste for coffee. And also, mm-hmm. I was like oh this will keep me awake as well and make me alert so i i got to like coffee through that and basically the only coffee i like is black coffee i don't like anything in it i think it's a sacrilege to like sully it with creams and sugars just black coffee for me but yeah it was just like hot it was like oh hot brown on a cold day Yeah, I would get, uh, I went with chai tea, which was more palatable to me, but also has three times the sugar if it's if it's like a latte. So mm. I, I do drink those occasionally. That's kind of my caffeine fix. And I didn't even know, like, I probably would have uh, started drinking coffee earlier, but like occasionally I'd have a cup of coffee, like my parents were drinking, and I'd be like, oh, this is disgusting. Mm-hmm. But then I realized over time, like, oh, no, they just drink disgusting coffee. Like every boomer has a can of like Folgers or Maxwell House, the most vile. It's barely <laughs> coffee. It's just gross. It, ugh. Maybe that's why I only associated coffee with that. And then once I had real coffee, I was like, yeah, I guess it's okay. But I, I, well, actually, no, the last time I think I ever drank coffee uh, was like four years ago when I was covering uh, the New York Comic Con for a website. And I was like, oh, I need extra energy today. And three hours later, after I just drank one mocha frappe latte, after drinking just one of those, I was shaking and I couldn't stop shaking my arms. I was like, what? What's going on? I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. Oh, I had one <laughs> coffee. That was what happened. My friends who were in AA and come over for like board game nights, it'll be like nine o'clock at night and they'll have like two iced coffees and they won't even be feeling any effect from it. It's just, it just doesn't have any effect. And uh, it just, you know, keeps them awake a little bit, but it doesn't make them shake. Nothing like that. They've, they've, I guess have acquired an immunity. Uh, I also, another like one of those, if you read it too realistically, it's very dark. Homer having to have a flask <laughs> of liquor to pour in beer, uh, coffee. He's like, I cannot drink straight coffee. Homer simply can't do it. Like, that's very dark. Yeah, the secret <laughs> flask is never a good sign. And I do like I do like the ending with, you know, the evil Mo. I always like the unnecessary, like, you know, mustache twirling. I, or like when they zoom in on the koala's dead eye, you know, <laughs> in the mm-hmm. Australian episode. I don't know. I always think that if, if you can't find a great ending, that's a nice little hook at the end. And I do think it's at least their, it's their closest to resetting that they can do without having Barney be drunk anymore because like he still burps, he still has some addiction problem. And because Mo now owns a thing that makes coffee, Barney will still be in the bar. But I mean, that's why he fell off the wagon. He's still staying in the bar every day. Like, come on. I mean, like most of the bars I go to or used to go to would always have like a pot of coffee brewing behind the bar, usually for the people that work there. But I assume you could drink that if you asked for it. Like I need to sober up and then drive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's uh yeah it's which that doesn't actually no it work. doesn't no but it puts uh, coffee on top of the alcohol in your stomach <laughs> uh that uh but that's i mean that's also a very 1950s drunk way of thinking like get him some coffee get on a pot uh, that episode is interesting for a uh, uh, exploration of the character of Barney and and having a 
somewhat realistic like borders on just like how alone again natural diddly i think bordered on being a very special episode about like grief but then was like nah we don't really want to do that this is kind of that for barney of like okay is this actually a very special episode about the struggles of sobriety or is this crazy and funny like they they kind of have it both ways in the show which uh can lead to some off kilter stuff but i guess the more i engage with this episode about sober barney it makes me feel retroactively bad a bit about Mm. laughing at him and also uh it makes me feel worse that he like falls off the wagon and they're just done with it they're like you know no he's drunk he's yeah we got uh three years of uh simpsons of of sober Barney from here on out so like 18 months of our podcast (laughs) yeah i mean what does that say it is though it's kind of like how you want itchy marge wanted itchy and scratchy to be less violent and then everyone hated the violent the the non-violent version so they immediately went back it's uh uh, it's just funnier to have a drunk barney i guess they didn't follow their own advice based on the episode (laughs) uh they they make a great comment on the commentary i think uh when they talk about how they had him go back and mike scully says like let that be a lesson to you kids you're more funny when you're drunk so just stay drunk (laughs) (laughs) it's true so, Nick, thanks for being on the show with us. Please, uh, once again, plug everything you're doing right now, including the new documentary. Yeah, the documentary is called A Life on the Farm. Um, we're hoping to finish it and have it out next year. And uh, you can find all of our stuff at foundfootagefest.com, including our uh, weekly YouTube show called VCR Party. And hopefully we can see you guys touring again whenever that happens. Uh, we want to tour as well, by the way. Uh, I, I personally missed like four events uh, in the past six months. So yeah. uh, it sucks for all of us live performers. I know. So in the meantime, hopefully more outdoor shows and, you know, we'll hunker down this winter and be back in the spring. Well, hopefully so. Hopefully. But yeah, it's always awesome to have you on here, Nick. So thanks so much for coming back. Yeah, guys, it's uh, it's been a a glum year. It's been (laughs) glummy. Uh, But uh, your podcast has uh, really kept kept people like uh, me going. So thank thank you guys for continuing to do what you do as well. Thanks. So thanks again to Nick Pruer of Found Footage Fest for being on the show. Check out Found Footage Fest and also check out the uh, new documentary upcoming, Life on the Farm. Uh, The Kickstarter for that has long been over at this point, but you can still check it out, watch the trailer, see what that's all about. But as for us, if you want to check out more of our stuff and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons. And if you sign up there, you'll get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That is everything we've been doing behind the paywall for over three years at this point. That includes all of our limited miniseries the most recent one that's happening right now is talking futurama season two part two wrapping up the second half of futurama's second season using the talking simpsons treatment and the previous talking futurama episodes are all on the patreon behind the five dollar paywall at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and there is so much other stuff happening behind that paywall too many things to list here but we also have a ten dollar tier you sign up for that you get all the five dollar stuff but also one mega long podcast once a month for patrons of that level or higher and Henry, what is that? Why, Bob, you're talking about the What a Cartoon Movie podcast. On the What a Cartoon podcast, we talk about a different animated series each week. And for What a Cartoon Movie, we do the same thing for an animated feature film each month. We've covered films as diverse as Space Jam, The Black Cauldron, Akira, and uh, right before this one, the Aladdin Return of Jafar sequel. And this... Well, actually, I guess in October we did a different one, but that hasn't been decided at the time of this recording. But the important thing to know is that you get all of that $5 stuff Bob just mentioned 
and you get the what a cartoon movie back catalog and each month a new one over 100 hours two years worth of episodes are at your fingertips if you sign up at the ten dollar level or increase your five dollar pledge to 10 bucks a month at patreon.com slash talking simpsons so as for me i've been one of your hosts bob Mackey. you can find me on twitter as bob servo and my other podcast by the way is retronauts that is a classic gaming podcast about old video games you can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts for two exclusive episodes every month Henry, how about you? You should follow me, Henry Gilbert, on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I'm certain I'm saying some stuff right now is the time you're listening to this. You can stay in the loop there. Also, you really should be following the official Twitter account of this podcast at Talk Simpsons Pod. At Talk Simpsons Pod. That keeps you up to date whenever new things happen in our podcast. Whenever a new thing goes up on the free feed for this or what a cartoon, whenever stuff goes up on the Patreon, whenever we have a poll to pick the next thing we're going to do, we always tweet about that and other cool stuff at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time for Kill the Alligator and Run, and we will see you then.